You. I've traveled the plains to meet you, and out of all my past selves, you were the most irritating. Haters gonna hate, bro. <laughs> You're the past incarnation that didn't back up my hard drive before updating to Portal 7. Hey man, everything I did, I, I did it because I had to or because it was more convenient for me. You're the incarnation that kept cutting out the last 15 pages of all my novels before any of my incarnations could read them. <laughs> Are you the incarnation that kept using Dakon's toothbrush? Guilty as charged, my man. And you must be the guy who broke all the locks on the stalls in the Gathering Dust Bar. Yeah. When traveling the blasted plains of Cursed, I met a man who said he knew me. He said that I kept offering his girlfriend a back rub and asking if she had any Tanari in her. What was that? Yeah, I never did get with that piece of chip. Let me tell you, she had a set of thighs, a real set of nutcrackers that would make the Lady of Pain play for the other team. I mean, I never got any, but it was something for the old interdimensional spank vault, that's for sure. He hit me. And we're not even Tanari, it doesn't make any sense. Who cares if it makes sense, man? Just drop it. It made no sense, so I had to drop it. <laughs> I see now that you're the worst asshole in the multiverse. I'm off to go fight Tony J. Whoa, 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 man. I mean, don't you want to absorb me? I'm worth like 750,000 XP. No, I'll pass. Ah, oh, come on, me. I, I, I know what can change the nature of a man. I, I can tell you how to get your mortality back. Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, after everything I went through, you know, you, I got weird. Come over here. I'm going to whisper in your ear. Okay. Okay. okay I'll get real close. Now listen. Right, okay. That the only thing yeah. that can change the, na the na change the nature of a man uh -huh. is a... Uh, oh, you asshole. Let me give you a tip. Don't watch out for fireballs. What are you talking... <laughs> My name is Cole Rouse. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. This is a retro video games podcast. And this week we are continuing our discussion of Planescape Torment. This is part two of our discussion of this very lengthy CRPG, which is set in the Planescape uh, setting of Dungeons & Dragons, specifically D&D 2nd &D, uh, Edition. Advanced D&D? I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's advanced, Cole. It's advanced. You have to be good <laughs> to get to, to graduate to that. The uh, and speaking of which, just a minor uh, correction. Um, we don't often do this. Like when we when we get things wrong, like it's rare that we know. Um, and and we I'm sure we have gotten things wrong in the past as well. But I incorrectly uh, credited the creation of the Planescape setting to Zeb Wells, um, who is a comic book author, as opposed to Zeb Cook. Um, in my defense, there aren't that many people named Zeb, and they are both uh, subjects in which I'm very interested in. So. Both yeah. names are in my, my lexicon, but Zeb Cook is the man we can credit for creating this awesome, awesome little setting. That is our, I, I believe, our first errata that we've ever done. So congratulations 
I'm being real. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> um, and congratulations to the listeners for hearing it. Yeah. Did, um, did, did somebody call you out? Do we need to credit somebody? No, no. I just I was listening to the episode, and I was like, oh, you moron. Like, I, <laughs> like if anybody gets the credits, me for being uh, self-hating and, and self-aware. The, um, so, yeah, so, so we're, we're not going to talk too much about the, the setup again. We're going to get right back into it. Um, this will probably be another long episode because there's a lot to this game. Um, but we are going to follow it all the way through the conclusion. So I think it's probably unlikely there are people listening to this that didn't listen to last episode. If there are, you know, go back and listen to the last episode as well. It behooves um, If this too. is your first episode, welcome and start with the, the episode before this one. Um, yeah. So do you want to talk to talk to us a little bit about where we and just as a refresher, um, Cole is, is more or less uh, guiding us through this journey of, of torment, this being his first complete playthrough of the game. And I am jumping in to talk about my reflections, it being my fourth or fifth. Yes. Um, so when we last left the nameless one, he was given one single lead. Uh, by a collector of bones, somebody who kidnapped Mort from him in the lower wards, uh, to find the night hag named Ravel Puzzledwell uh, in order to reclaim his mortality, uh, which has been severed from him, and which was that's why he uh, keeps dying and reawakening without any memory. Uh, what follows, and what we're going to be talking about, is kind of a shaggy dog story of shorts, where uh, you, as the nameless one, you know, meet the enemies three that Dianara spoke about in the mortuary. And uh, ultimately, this results in you confronting your previous incarnations and uh, finding your mortality itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of the arc. That's what everything has kind of been moving towards, uh, which makes it strange because unlike most other games, your ultimate goal in this game is to die, not to avoid dying. <laughs> right. Another another in the, the long series of excellent subversions that's, uh, in this game. That's Pee Wee's secret word of the day. Yeah, so first thing, like, like I'm Flory, give me your soul. <laughs> like, that's the, it's like no, 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 get away from me talking. You know, anthropomorphized everything. Ugh. That was good TV, though. That was good TV, though. Oh yeah, I, I, I love that. Show. Stimulating, stimulating. Yes, and one of the things, it, one other thing I would say about that show is that it stimulates my intellectual lust. Uh, much like a certain brothel. <laughs> the, the brothel of slicking uh, clumsy segways. Reel, reel it back in. Reel it back in. Now, reel it back in. <laughs> we spoke about this a little bit last time, um, specifically in regards to recruiting Grace uh, to your cause, but I think that it bears a little bit of repeating on the overlap just because the clerk's ward is kind of important. It's kind of the fulcrum upon which everything rests. This is where... Uh, the game kind of turns from a, from a mystery into like going onto rails almost. That's where right. we get a it, lot it does, of it answers. It becomes a much more yeah, you're right. It, much more linear and much uh, you know you, you it's no longer a mystery because you know where you need to go, and each step along that tells you the next step. So in a weird way, it follows adventure game you know it, it, adventure game uh, standards in that respect. Like, do everything you can, and then the last thing you do will lead you to the next thing you should do. Yeah, and we'll leave a bookmark at this point right here, but it does lead into a bigger into a bigger point. I, I, I like I liked this point, and I liked when the game kind of found direction, because once I saw the hole, I really appreciated all of the aimless toil at the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. Not that aimless toil doesn't have its own, uh, doesn't have its own, uh, you know, particular appeal. Uh, specifically that was the kind proposed of uh, sequel name. Uh, <laughs> Planescape, Aimless Toil. Exactly. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> so so the, the the entire the the entire clerk's word is kind of intermingled together with each other. The brothel leads to the sensorium, which leads back to the brothel. You're running around fetching panties for people and scents and scarves and you know veils for Medusa people and buying curiosities. It's it's all kind of one big mess, but it ultimately leads to some pretty satisfying um if not conclusions, at least uh indications that you are not a good person and really almost never have been. <laughs> yeah, th- this is this is the first hint, you're not the first hint, but some of the first hints they're very strong about what, and we'll talk about what we kind of believe to be the grand themes of the game. But my personal, you know, pet theory, I feel like the most important part of this game kind of, you know, uh, thematically is that you weren't a good person, you know, and that, that to me, you know, when this, when I first started doing that, like the, the brothel, you know, we talked about that uh, quite a bit in the last episode. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's a great location, but kind of the, you know, maybe the, maybe the peak of the game, like at least they, you know, that, that uh, emotional climax is the sensorium. And uh, that's when you, you start learning to the depth of which you were formerly an asshole. Um, one of the kind of most famous moments in, in, you know, kind of computer RPG history is uh, one of the, the sensory stones. These are just kind of orbs that uh, allow you to hold on to them and they give you you, you replay an experience and you find one that you had recorded um, in relation to Dianara, who is the your old, you know, girlfriend, for lack of a better word. Uh, their relationship is much more complicated than that. But the uh, the woman you met in the mortuary who, um, you know, who is in love with you and you read this harrowing account of, of the abuse and manipulation that you have have done to her. And multiple people, I mean, it's, it's a, a commonly held opinion that I, I agree with. That is one of the hardest things to to read, you know, on, in, a, in a video game. Like, the emotional content is very, very strong. It's tough. It really is. And the fact that it's called longing and the fact that, you know, the, the, the ultimate moral of it, and each of these sensories don't have morals, but the, but the ultimate moral is longing is that which you want, which you can never have. You know, just 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 prove. You know, it, it makes Dianara into this, into this really sympathetic figure that you never you never really had an indication of how important or how deep she got back when you met her. She was just this vestige of your formal life back when you saw her in the mortuary. But getting this bit of characterization and seeing just how uncaring you were, there are so right. many. There are so many like you know in video games and in fantasy games in particular, just these really broad strokes of like how good and evil works. But the, the, the idea of being this callous and uncaring person and using somebody just like, that is such a human thing. That's, that's, that's such a human portrayal of evil for this game to just throw at you in what would ultimately be considered a side quest if it wasn't so integral to you moving forward. Um, right, and 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 it's it's important that 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 incarnation, who you later meet, um, is not the evil incarnation of you. It's the practical, right, incarnation, and that to me is really illustrative of this game's take on kind of good and evil and morality. You know, it kind of it goes back to that book that I talked about in the first episode, where all of the advice is you know just practical, you know, just practical advice, but but evil in like a kind of a young Republican way. You know, <laughs> and they're just like that's just that's. It's a really interesting take. There's no mustache twirling that goes on in this game, you know. And it's it, the interesting thing about the sensorium too is that the parts leading up to this are are kind of fun and funny. 
like the you had mentioned just very briefly the uh, the guy who's talking about um, how there you know there's no such thing as as death or he has some kind of um, contention about death and you can kill yourself in front of him to prove his point you know wrong and the uh, the the kind of the minor sensors the public uh, sensorium like they're some of them are kind of funny you know it's like you know mindless tedium or there's one where you're a werewolf and stuff like that they're just kind of like a little bit goofier and then you just get this like ridiculous gut punch you know, out of, out of nowhere, that is just like some of the finest you know writing in in video game history. Yeah, and just God, the the, the achievement the the achievement of that to 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 make something so small so powerful. I don't know, just in a, in a fantasy tinged game, you know, and in any game really where people go big to be powerful, this this just completely reverses that. Um, Secret word of the day subverts that and makes it as mm. kind of as small as possible, which is the interaction between two people and deceit and just, you know, takes that small things and has it, it takes that small thing and has it writ large to, right. to, to that, Oh God. Yeah. No, and it's not just small um, as far as the, the actual moment, but it's small in the way that the game presents it to you as well. Like it's just you reading text. There's very little interaction. You have very little, your only choice during this whole thing is to give a, like, is to stop doing it. Right. Like you can try to tear yourself away from it. Um, but you're not seeing flashy graphics. No one's acting like it's that pure, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it is reading, you know, it's the same thing that happens when you're reading a great novel and you're kind of filling in that, uh, uh, filling in those blanks that you wouldn't have with the kind of emotion and acting and, and blocking and all that stuff. So it is really, really masterfully done. And like, you know, it, it is, it is a great, 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 great moment in this game. What's also strange is that you are reliving both sides of this conversation, because mm-hmm. the sensory stone was recorded by Dayanara, you are ostensibly experiencing it through her eyes, but because your memory is remembering what the practical incarnation said, you are also saying that thing itself. So you are saying both parts of the conversation as you go right. along. And so you you have this sense of you as the agent, as the, uh, as the unseen player, uh, driving this brutal, brutal thing forward. Mm-hmm. But you, you know... I guess you can stop it, but why would you? It's a video game, right? Right, right, exactly. <laughs> you need to exactly. see all. You need to see everything, <laughs> right? And, so, and, and, and I think your like material reward for this is like she tells you that she took out a will for you, which you can go mm-hmm. get, and that does give you some closure a little bit later. But right, and but if you're if you're like I, if you're playing it like I was as a giant asshole, it just gives you more opportunities to be an asshole because I, I was I was. <laughs> You know, I was evil to uh, to Dianara's dad and uh, or Dianara and her dad and to the the lawyer who executes her dad lawyer who executes the will, which is a weird little bit of uh, I guess plot convenience <laughs> that uh, her dad just happens to be a lawyer who who does that. But so so where did you go go after the sensorium? What uh what was your next step? It's all kind of a big uh, a big piece of spaghetti. Like uh, I went and got Ignis because I hadn't up to this point because I hadn't figured out how to unlock the. Uh, how to unlock the uh, decanter of endless water. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I had to go and I had to, uh, I love that one NPC. I forget who you talk to. She's a, she's a a, a Batezu, I believe, or some kind of extra planar being who, uh, who speaks entirely in third person narrative and by doing so can influence your actions. So she Mm -hmm. says, the the scarred stranger stopped talking (laughs) and you don't have any choice but to stop talking. Yeah, an awesome, awesome little high concept throwaway detail. Yeah. You know, that's 
know, again, greatest NPCs in, in video game history. Like, there's so many just, like, interesting, non-essential people that you talk to that are just really, really cool like that. Yeah. So I went and I got Ignis and I did his whole his whole story and then that that that, that again was the point. He he was one of the more very obvious people where it was a past you who made him as he was. Um and th- that that's true for pretty much everyone except for Anna. Um but uh yeah, you can you can figure out if you have a high enough wisdom that you were his former teacher that made him lust for power as he did. Um, yeah, Ignis is kind of has an interesting story too. Like the the idea of this like this this just ridiculously singular uh, uh, pursuit for power and being punished by, you know, by becoming a literal you know conduit from which like fire can can move. Mm-hmm. You know, is, is is just like really really interesting and he's fun to look at. Like he's not he doesn't have as much depth as Mort or Takan, um, but he is he is very. Uh, I always liked Ignis, um, and it's useful like. Having more more mages, like the combat in this game is so bad that I don't want to just go up and, and pound things. I'd much rather cast spells. It's actually as a, as a real, uh, I can't remember if I gave you this pro tip, but as a real time saver, his uh, Ignis's Terror uh-huh. is a spell you learn from him. That spell will save you is 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 a godsend. Mm-hmm. That is crazy overpowered for second level. Yeah, no, my, my entire second level slate was filled with Ignis's Terror. Yeah, it is, it is the best Terror. Yeah, it is the, <laughs> the best. <laughs> uh, I, I like I like you and I like your terror. Ignis. Oh, it it can't just be you know regular sweat. It has to be terror sweat. <laughs> terror sweat. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's be terror fire. Um, <laughs> exactly. Um, I liked Ignis even even if he was basically a trash can man from the stand. Um, that's funny how you punish somebody by giving them unlimited amounts of what they want. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like uh, it's like the Lady of Pain just made him smoke a whole carton of cigarettes. <laughs> like, <laughs> made him light a new uh, a whole new carton of cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> so so after the sensorium, I went to got Ignis and filled out my party, um, and that ultimately ended up being my party throughout the rest of the game, uh, for reasons that we will discuss. But uh, but I went and finished up the brothel for intellectual lust. Um, just a couple of notes. I loved the perverted armoire. Um, yeah, how, the guy who's polymorphed himself into an armoire, <laughs> so he can like, smell the sense of the pan- ladies. <laughs> he can smell panties, like no. But that whole that whole like series of fetch quests, which I thought was was going to be like the quest to become a mage, where it was a comment on itself, really ended up being pretty pretty cool. Like you know, going to the curiosity dealer. I liked the curiosity dealer, especially how she was also a succubus, and if you had if you had Grace in your party, they would go back and forth with each other. Um, and mm-hmm. also how like she it's at this point where your reputation precedes you and everybody knows you as that scarred guy who asks way too many questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, she, she's a really I like that uh, that store a lot, too. Like she's, you know, just a regular shop, but she also sells, uh, you know, probably like mogwais. Like she sells sells <laughs> things that people who sell mogwais also sell. So it's like cursed and forbidden objects and and, you know, talking crusty dolls and Froger and all that stuff. And the uh, uh, all every one of her little like cursed objects she sells does something kind of interesting. Um, only a couple of them are actually essential, but um, it's a fun little idea, and it's worth buying all of them. They're not uh, too overpriced or anything like that. Yeah, I used up all my money to buy them. Yeah. <laughs> and even is just, that how? Or go ahead. I, even just reading their stories was really funny, especially the baby oil. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which you cannot buy. Yeah. The, the, uh, I noticed I see on the notes that you uh, you ended up you went to you got mazed. Is that how you got mazed? Is through the uh, the object in the uh, 
the the curse shop. Yes, yes, by worshiping the uh, Lady of Pandal that you can. I mean, and what's what's cool is like so, some of these curiosities do end up being uh, do end up being essential because the person who knows the secret of how to uh, find Ravel is a. Uh, <laughs> Again, contradictions and subversions. She's a prostitute at the uh, at the brothel, which consists entirely of women who will speak to you, uh, who mm. has lost her voice because she doesn't have a tongue. So you buy her a demon tongue from the Shop of Curiosities. Unfortunately, it gives her the most awesome new voice. So it's like, from the depths of hell, I damn you. <laughs> she starts out normal, like, I, okay, so here's a... <laughs> and brimstone. Like, I love that. That was one of my favorite story bits in the game. Mm-hmm. And so you have to go back to the shop and buy some Davis tears to uh, to counteract the, the demonic influence. And she, she helps me in, in one of the few, like, kind of overly convenient... Uh, plot contrivances. She tells you one of the uh, one of the prostitutes is a is Ravel's half daughter, yeah. and thus will give you the the key to uh, to the gate that you have to get into uh, Ravel's maze. Um, before before we get to the maze, though, I, I see it's it, it looks like you didn't actually uh, get through it. But one of the things you can buy in that shop is a little action figure Modron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Modrons are are these cubicle creatures with wings. They're kind of robots. Uh, they come from Mechanis, the the plane of law. So they you know they want to make the universe much more clockwork and, and orderly, um, kind of the ultimate expression of lawful neutral. Mm-hmm. And the uh, through using that, if you if you find some other Modrons, they can tell you that that's actually a, a gate key. Like that if you manipulate that object in the right way, it'll open up a gate. And uh, if you do, you go to one of what I think is one of the neatest parts of the game. But it looks like you had some technical difficulties. So I'll I'll, I'll kind of give my impression of it up until up until where I up until where I stopped. Mm-hmm. So you you told me to do this like in the in the email. So I was like, as soon as I got it, I was like, okay, I want to go do this. Pro- pro- problem is, I got into it and I got through the main dungeon part of it. So you're walking through mm-hmm. this big like, uh, think the movie Cube, except you know, not utterly sadistic, um, but this <laughs> this big seemingly randomly generated dungeon that is full of these monsters that are programmed to act like minions from RPGs. It is so, randomly generated. Is it? Actually. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. The gates between the uh, the different cubes are all uh, different. So. But I love all the enemies because they give you the opportunity opportunity to engage in dialogue with them, and they'll, and they'll say "roar," and you'll ask, "What are you?" And they'll say, "Well, you see, we are weak characters who are meant to give the player a false sense of security in their abilities before they go on to reach the true perils that lie within." <laughs> yeah. The uh, this whole this whole part, like I, you know, the the. It involves combat, so therefore it is automatically just kind of one of the weakest parts of the game. <laughs> you know, just but at the same time, it's so funny to me. Like this idea that like this is this is a dungeon designed by by Modrons. Like if, if this is if you know a D D experience as designed by like a entirely passionless computer. Where like not only do you you know the the, the uh, everything is really self aware as a, a typical RPG enemy, but they drop treasure <laughs> and, and some of it, you know, some of it's just like, you know, uh loot. And it's just like a little bag and it doesn't have any value or like uh, a clue. And it's just a piece of paper with the word a clue written on it. <laughs> like it's just a really, really meta. And, and uh, you know, the, the whole like a lot of this game, other than the deep thematic stuff, is a commentary on other, uh, you know, kind of uh, generic sword and sorcery stuff. And this is, you know, definitely one of the strongest parts of that. So I got through um, ultimately to the point where you reach the control room. Um, and mm. you can talk to the more to, to the Modrons who are uh, who are running this place, uh, kind of like Brazil, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. 
and you can uh, you can you know have them regenerate the dungeon. But because I had such a like a bad time running through the dungeon itself, I was like, aha, funny. The the dialogue's great, but I really hate combat, so etc. But then I found out like you can use this lens to like warp to anywhere you want to. So I was using mm-hmm. it as a fast travel like location. Until yeah. until I found out, like, and until I had this little piece of knowledge that if you do the hard dungeon, you can go and you can fight the evil wizard construct and get uh, and get Nordum, who is mm-hmm. voiced by yep. Homer Simpson and is and is apparently an awesome you know sixth uh, party member as opposed to as opposed to Ignis himself. Um, mm-hmm. And I got real sad because every time I tried to go back into the uh, the uh, Modron Cube, uh, the game would crash, and I tried every manner of fix uh, known to man, honestly. In order to get back in there and get uh, Nordum, but uh, nothing would suffice. You, you, you should be sad. You should also know, though, that the uh, the hard dungeon is very hard, and the boss fight is unavoidable with the evil wizard construct. Like it took me a lot of tries to beat it. It's very difficult, um, but it's it's worth it in in the end because like one Nordum is really neat. Like he's a good NPC. He's a ranged character, which you you don't get up until this point. But his arms are crossbows. <laughs> um, and he's and he's funny. His, he has some like amazing interactions with Mort. Like Mort hates him, and uh, that's really really fun. Um, but the the actual dialogue with the evil wizard construct is really interesting. Um, he you know he's become self aware, and it's just kind of this AI that has become aware and is just wrestling with his his nature. You know of this like you know this is what I want to do because I'm going to uh, you know I'm a uh, you know he's kind of having it both ways. He's talking about how. He wants to escape this construct. He's going to make the Modrons his slaves, you know, who work there and everything. And then when you kind of logic him into a corner, he's like, but I'm the evil wizard, you know, <laughs> and just kind of like plays the, the his nature card yeah. a little bit. It's a really fun conversation, but unfortunately it always leads to a very tough combat. Right. Um, so it's, it's definitely worth doing. Um, since I was doing an evil f- playthrough, uh, I ended up deciding that um, I was okay not having Nordum and heartbreakingly sold him into slavery. To the curiosity shop owner. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was it was the evilest thing that I I did in the game. Like not the thing I felt the most bad about, but yeah. I I just not realized how appropriate that dough was. Oh, that um, was unintentional. That was you should, unintentional. You should cut out us explaining it because it was really clever. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll leave it in as an exposure right. of my idiocy, of my idiocy. Right. self hatred is on the bingo card, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, so I need to go watch some YouTube videos of Nordum because uh, I'm not going to play the game again. But uh... yeah, he, he's, he's rad. <laughs> oh well, I didn't get Valor either. So oh well. yeah, oh yeah. Did you know talking to Valor? Oh yeah, I talked to him. I talked yeah. him out of existence. Yeah, which is awesome. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's okay that you didn't get him. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, and I re- and I realized what you meant by he makes the game harder uh, when, when, yeah. we, when we got to the end. But we are nowhere near the end. Um, so yeah, let's stay over here. <laughs> yeah, so so I didn't I didn't do the uh, the the, the Modron Cube uh, to its full extent. Like I went into it and I was like, oh, I get it. And then the game stopped working for me. I can't blame that on the game though. I don't think the game would have initially bugged. There are a lot of bugs that I encountered that were probably just a result of me modding the hell out of this game. Yeah, it it you you give up something in pursuit of aesthetics, you know, if you're playing this game in a modern system because it looks so ugly, not in, you know in low resolution. So I did it in you know in high high resolution mod and and all these other kind of mods that you know added extra quests and everything like that. But it does add a lot of instability, so it's unfortunate. 
which is nowhere more apparent than uh, in order to get an item to finish one of the brothel quests, you have to go into this gallery of curiosities, which is like an art gallery. Problem is, if you walk more than two steps in that, it'll crash you. Um, so yeah, that's the, fucking obnoxious. The most yeah. um, obnoxious half hour of this game involves me constantly relaunching the game in order to walk up and steal a piece of ice from the river sticks in order to make some some fucking construct whoremonger forget his uh, forget, yeah. <laughs> forget his past so he could yeah. experience more. Fuck that guy. Yeah. That- that was really frustrating, and and it's kind of annoying because that's actually like a neat little place. Like all of the little things that you see in there have cool little stories about them, and there's a couple of little extra side quests you can do if you have full access to it. <laughs> but that's our fault for modding it. If we played it vanilla, then we probably would have been fine. I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I went and I did the Foundry of the Godsman too. Um, this is probably just a little bit out of order because I probably did it right before, uh, right before I went to the the, the Ravels Maze. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, that was fun. I'm glad that you told me to do it. Otherwise I wouldn't have pursued it. Yeah. It's, it's a neat little, uh, you know, and purely optional, uh, little faction, you know, faction, uh, side quest that involves this, this kind of murder mystery and interfaction, uh, intrigue. Yeah. Uh, the, apparently the, the anarchists are, are plotting against these godsmen. No, and I, and, I, and I like the godsmen too. Their, uh, their philosophy jived with me. I think I'm somewhere between, uh, between a godsman and a sensate even though they do seem mm. to be diametrically opposed. But I'm a man of yeah. contradictions, Gary. I'm a man of contradictions. Uh, yes. But yeah, it was neat, and the and the area was kind of neat, too. Um, also, the dream, the, the, the dream machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, yeah. That, that, was, that was cool, too, um, just because it gave you a nice little preview of what was to come, the uh, the, the Ravel Maze, and, uh, and also uh, Bator, and the, uh, what am I thinking of here? Uh, the Pillar of Skulls. The Pillar of Skulls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, there's still other stuff you can do, but um, at any point from here on, you can, you know, you can go into Rebel's Maze, and they give you the, you know, you're not going to come back for a while, warning. And this is kind of when you start the plane hopping portion of the game. Yeah, uh, the incredibly linear plane hopping portion of the game. Oh, before this, I did do the Nameless Ones Maze, which there's not much to say about mm-hmm. it, except I loved how the previous incarnation of you made a journal out of himself. Yeah, that, that's super, super clever. The, uh, with, with one of the reasons to do the Nameless Ones maze, other than the fact that it's kind of awesome that the game isn't game over at this point, like <laughs> tons of characters are scared about being mazed, like you're so scared of the, the, the Lady of Pain, and that you can actually you know cause her to, to maze you rather than kill you and escape from <laughs> it is just really neat. Yeah. Um, but it's one of the few things, you know, you're, you're following in the footstep of these incarnations, and there are countless incarnations, but three of them get, you know, get play. And this is one of the few like kind of greatest hits moments for the, the crazy one. There's one of them that's just batshit insane, and he doesn't get as much to do as the the good one or the uh, the practical one. So it's nice to, to and he's he's done a couple other things. Like he, one of the things in the sensorium is there's one of the the sensory stones that's a trap that you get trapped in, and he's just trying to make you catatonic for the rest <laughs> of your life. Like he's he's paranoid about people trying to steal his body. Right. Like he feels like these you know uh, these these uh, later incarnations are that. So. Um, that's really, you know, pretty interesting, but it's mostly, I just mostly like that there is a nameless one's maze, like in this world where he, she constructs a specifically uh, tailored maze for each, anybody who pisses her off, you can do that and have that happen to you. As a person who came into this, not knowing an awful lot about the, uh, the planescape 
setting. Like I knew about mm-hmm. the D&D planes from reading Dungeon Master's guides in high school, but not Planescape itself. I never knew about the Lady of Pain as a character. The game up until this point and up until you really learn who the bad guys are makes the Lady of Pain out to be this omnipotent evil force or at least, you know, destructive force, if you will. Um, and so like, that's obviously the big bad, right? So the fact, right. that, so the fact that this ultimately amounts to more than a nuisance side quest, uh, it, it, it kind of, again, subverts that as well. Right. Right. She's not the emboss, despite the fact that some of the trailers for the game, you know, show very imposing, uh, images of her and everything like that. And then you think she's going to one wing angel at it, or like, <laughs> it's like three wing angel or something. She's already a one wing angel and she's yeah. just going to. Keep growing wings. And every time you but, rest, you see her, like, the, the blades rotating around her in this big clockwork kind of screensaver mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it works. It really does. But, uh, you know, that's one maze you can go into. But ultimately, you are trying to find Ravel, um, mm-hmm. who I'm kind of uncomfortable by how sexually attracted she is to me. Um, yeah, yeah. She's 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 a, a, a not attractive lady. And she, she's a night hag. <laughs> Um, you know, you, you, you get to her maze, there's a little bit of just kind of cursory combat if you want to do it before you run into her. Uh, but this is one of the, this is probably the longest, other than the ending of the game, kind of like dialogue battle. Like it culminates in a physical battle, but you can spend a lot of time mining for information here. Um, and, and you kind of grow to realize it through the conversation, but Ravel is also in love with you. Right. The same way that Anna is, the same way that DNR was, you know. She, she is in love with you and she you know a lot of the she's been uh, one of the neater things is she's been helping you you know this entire time like she she her incarnations of her have been uh you know the character uh Mabeth who who trains you to use magic um the character Ivane who uh helps you out in the in the mortuary um right on the beginning of the game gives you a stat boost yeah. um these are all different versions of her she was the tailor too right the one who uh yeah. Who got up if, all if up you meet in them an guts. old lady in the game? Yeah, if you meet an old lady in the game, it's Ravel, more yeah. or less. Like it was, it was interesting because she, like, in order to seduce you, she switches. You know, she she shape shifts, shape shape shifts into being either Anna or you know Fall from Grace um, to try and get you there, and that ultimately ends up being the reason why she she ends up fighting you is because once you get the information from her that she doesn't have your mortality even though she was the person who separated it from you and you know like, okay i'm gonna leave she's like nope you're not gonna leave you're gonna be here and be mine forever and that is right. why that is why she ends up attacking you what's interesting is that you know she uh, uh during that conversation like all these kind of thematic things you learn one of the, the reoccurring phrases in the game that the game is famous for is this, you know, uh, one of the things you learn by reputation that we kind of glossed over about Ravel is that she has offered to teach anyone, you know, all the secrets of, of magic or all the secrets she knows if they can answer a question for her. And the question is, uh, what can change the nature of a man? And uh, you kind of learn through this that she kind of, you know, put that out there, but she's not, she doesn't want the answer. She just wants your answer. Right. You know, like she just, you know, it's because she loves you. She wants to know what you think you know of that mm-hmm. and uh you can it's really interesting this mechanically this dialogue tree is really interesting because you can uh gain a lot by being very flattering and playing to that like kind of early on in the conversation you learn that she's actually got feelings for you and the more you manipulate it the more you call her pretty and flatter her and uh essentially be honest dishonest you gain like huge stat buffs 
like finishing it and and doing that like i mean i think you can gain like two points of wisdom and two points of intelligence and a point of charisma like the net gain is is ridiculous for this if you're just like really really flattering and kind mm-hmm. you know to her the, the way that i got out of this um and you can lie during all those things too so even though i was playing evil and and the way i was rping it you know i had no feelings for Ravel. um i was lying because i knew that it was what she wanted to hear and uh, the way, you know, it, it kind of sucks that it inevitably becomes a fight because I was telling her everything she wanted to know. You know, right. I'm like, I'll, no, I'll come back for you. I promise. You know, just let me get this mortality thing done. And it, it doesn't work just kind of so there is a is a boss fight. And it sucks that it has to be a boss fight because, you know, you can talk your way out of the final boss fight. Why can't you talk your way out of the mid boss? And it's not it's not the worst fight in the game or anything no. like that. It's a little annoying, but yeah, it's not too bad. But I still had to, like, reload it a bunch of times and. I didn't like yeah. it. Yeah. It's it's still hard. This is also the first time you start getting these hints of this uh kind of rivalry between Anna and Falls from Grace. Um <laughs> they don't you know, they don't like each other. Falls from Grace has no feelings for you. Like there's nothing really to suggest that. Mm-hmm. Um but Anna, you know, is the fact that you're bringing her along is enough to to incense her. Yeah. And uh it can actually happen. It happened to me later. Um Anna can leave your party based mm-hmm. on it. Anna, you can wake up in the morning and Anna says, Look, it's me or her and like leaves your party. And it's it's a pretty difficult uh, kind of dialogue check. Like you have to be very charismatic to get her to come back. Um, so it's like a kind of an interesting like interparty interaction. It's something that Bioware did a lot a lot later with. I'm I'm sorry, Gary Dragon Age. No, I know. And I, and I like that's one of the things I like in Dragon Age. The party interaction is my favorite part of that game. Yeah. You know, they, they they never lost the ability to do that. They just lost the ability to do everything else. <laughs> um, so. Um, yeah, they, they did that then. And it, this is, you can really see the, the kind of groundwork for it, though. Yeah. Over here. And it's, this is stronger than it is in Baldur's Gate. There's a little bit of that in Baldur's Gate, but this is better. Yeah, I like it. And I, I for one, am on Team Anna, honestly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anna's definitely the one. Like, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the scene, maybe it's after this, where, like, if you talk to her and, you know, you kind of initiate the, quote, romance option, that's well written. The, mm-hmm. the whole like her body temperature being higher because she's a tiefling and like she like bites you and then if you if you ultimately ret- return the kiss her like her clothes start smoking and then right. like I, I fucked up because she bit me and then I bit her back and then she <laughs> she like ran away or something yeah she she, she the, her the depth of her character is amazing like yeah. she's in such a weird place of being uh, you know timid but also putting on this act. And she's, I mean, she's shy. Like, she's with a guy that she likes. And you have to do this very specific amount of, like, teasing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, towards it. Like, if you act too interested, she is, or too nice, she runs. But if you act, you can't abuse her either. It's just, like, this real weird kind of tightrope walk. Yeah. Thing that in real life, I fucking hate it when girls do. And <laughs> people do. Like, that's intolerable and is a deal breaker. But for it, it comes across perfectly. Like, it's like, yeah. I know exactly what this person actually feels and how conflicted they are and how nuanced it is. Um, and that's, and that, I, I love that about Anna. Like I'm in, I'm in team Anna too. Not also, you know, not least of which because you have her for a lot longer. Yeah. You get a lot more interactions with her than you do with falls from grace. Yeah. So, I mean, and just kind of like one of the things that you learn from Ravel as well. And something that does apply to Anna is that all the people who are with you and all the people who have been drawn to you over the course of your incarnations, they're drawn to you because they are tormented. And mm-hmm. this revelation this kind of perspective shift really gets you to treat 
or at least view your, 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 your companions in an entirely different way. So you start trying to wonder like, why are you tormented with some of them? It's obvious, you know, mm-hmm. with, with some of them, it's, you know, you know, like with, with, uh, with the con with Ignis, you know, they're obviously very tormented individuals just by talking to them. You figure out exactly why they're bound to be with you. But like with, with Anna, you have to talk with her for a while in order to find out that like Farad was really not a nice dude and right. she has grown up, you know, basically in an abusive, awful, you know, kind of existence. And, you know, that torment has led her to view like even walking with you to hell as a preferable fate to, you know, to staying in the hive. Right. Right. And, and there's different levels of depth. I mean, you have like somebody like, you know, obviously I would say that, you know, clearly the three strongest NPCs in the game are, are Anna, Morton, Dakan, you know, because falls from grace, they just kind of say it's like, you know, a mystery kind of thing. Like, Oh, she's turned her back on our kind. And the same well, thing more or less with Nordum, if you have him. Like just like, oh he doesn't know what he is, he's confused. With Falls from Grace it was it was it was, you know, she because she spent like twenty thousand years as a sex slave for the opposite race of demon from what she was. So Right. You know. But it's not it's not there's not as much like I don't care about it as much. There's something about like yeah. Falls from Grace where you you just get her a little late and she's kinda I felt like a little bit like she's there to be a cleric and to give you a foil for Anna. Yeah. You know? Like I liked her just fine as a character, but it, I think she's significantly weaker. Yeah. Um, and I, I love I love Mort because Mort has all you know all of these problems. But it, in addition to these kind of torment, they're drawn to you because they have these personal torments. They're also all specifically with you for for a certain reason. Right. You know, um, the uh, there's a point where uh, Ravel uh, challenges them all on their reasoning. You know why they're following you. And uh, it's just really interesting the way, you know, like Dakan has to because he's he is your slave. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit a little bit later. Um, but then somebody like, you know, uh, falls from grace. He, you know, she's like, well, you're a sensate. Like, it's it's part of your religion to do something like this. Like, you couldn't turn this down as a thing. Right. You know, and then it's, it's kind of interesting because that also shadows your logic of getting her to follow you. You know, like, so in a weird way, you're kind of just like, you knew that and you could think of that as a manipulation. So Ravel teaches you this and it gets you to view, you know, it make it makes your companions, they, they were important and interesting before, but it makes them much more important and much more interesting because they are a part of your grander story. Mm-hmm. Even if they didn't leave, you know, let, let that on from the very start, Mort. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. um <laughs> Skull skull <laughs> but she gives you she you know she gives you the secret to escaping her maze she knew how to get out all the time she just wanted to stay there you know it was no problem. right and she obviously had some agency outside of it anyway since she was uh Leading. you know playing these other roles yeah you know so, so this leads you into the uh the city of cursed with um you sure is a, a cheer cheerful place <laughs> you, you know bad things are going to happen in cursed well i mean in a way, it's faded to you because it's on this. We don't need to talk about interplanar physics, but it's a, it's a gateway town, which is right. it's on the edge of this neutral territory of the, of the Outlands, which which are these big wastelands that rest outside of uh, Sigil. I need to stop saying Sigil. It's not Sigil. It's yeah. Sigil. It's Sigil. I, I do it all the time, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know it until I heard it in the game. I was like, oh, it's Sigil, not Sigil. But it's spelled sigil. Uh, but no, um, and there it's one of these cities, um, which you learn about in a lecture at the Sensorium. But like, as the alignment of the people in it shifts, it can be drawn either into or out of the plane that it's adjacent to, which mm-hmm. comes into play a lot later. But uh, but at this point, it's just kind of this wild west kind of town, where um, if you are playing the game normally, you do a couple of fetch quests and find out that there's a deva. 
who came to town and was locked up. Um, if you're playing through it like me, you stumbled into the prisons anyway um, without doing any of that because you were mousing over everything and saw the way down in the junkyard and skipped all of Cursed. <laughs> yeah, which isn't, isn't that great of a tragedy. Like the, the one thing I would say about that speaks to doing the first part of Cursed uh, traditionally is that it kind of makes the, the second part of it um, a little bit more interesting. You know, the people in the town are definitely self-interested, but nobody is quite evil and nobody is, you know, totally embracing chaos. And you get the sense that, like, they're just kind of right on the edge of morality. And then later when they, uh, you know, the, the place shifts into into chaos and is being sucked into the, the outlands, um, you know, it makes it a little bit stronger. But you didn't you didn't miss too much. It's kind of a weak area as far as the, the quest writing and everything. Yeah. And nowhere is as weak as the cursed prison. Um, yeah, this is the the nadir of the game. Like this is this is probably the the lousiest lousiest part of the game. And it's you know again like we we talked about it a little bit last episode. We can probably stand to, to give it one in depth like throuncing one more time. But <laughs> combat in this game fucking sucks. It's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> there's <laughs> only like, there's only one instance in this game where I used combat the way it was meant to be used. Otherwise, it was entirely just the just click and wait for things to die yeah or it, it's, it's know, usually those things were me but <laughs> go on it, it, it's, it's hard to like even say like what's worse with the combat in this game or the combat in pit fighter you know like it's just it's just like it's so fucking bad like go google pit fighter the the uh uh it's it just it's so bad and it's so it's just too hard to like if it were just you know this is this is acquiescing to the fact that we can't just do like a adventure game the way we want to you know, we have to do, you know, it has to have combats, Infinity Engine. Make it easier. Like, every group, you know, every mob of these enemies in Cursed Prison had a good chance of, like, killing people to inconvenience. And healing items are expensive, and you can't buy them in enough places. You have limited inventory. It's just, and, and you, the healing items, like, I had stacks and stacks and stacks of, like, uh, not uh, blood charms, which, like, heal you know, 18 hit points. And just like, you know, every once in a while, one, uh, my, uh, my jaw is hanging by a thread here, chief. And then I would put fucking, you know, six blood drops into Mort. And then, uh, just like, you know, 45 seconds later, uh, my jaw is hanging by a thread here, chief. Yeah. And like, God damn it. You know, <laughs> they, they, I can't tactically do this any better. You know, there's just, there's not uh breath for it. Like there's just not a way to do it. You just kind of have to stand toe to toe, hit things like cast some spells you know, and it just the it's it's needed to be easier and way less frequent and and you know if it wasn't going to be fun, like at least do no harm. <laughs> you know, like just remember the Hippocratic oath. Like you know, it, it apply, why doesn't that just apply to everything? You know, like what situation is that not a good idea? You know, just at least do no harm. Like make this something I can just kind of cruise by. Don't make it fucking a, an active source of annoyance. I'm not disagree. Or, I, I don't disagree. I have I have I have no other point to add. Just. If yeah. It, if it needs to be there, make it as benign as possible. Yeah. But yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And, and like, and here's the thing, because I have like not played, you know, very much of any other infinity engine game. This makes me think that every other, you know, like Baldur's gate or Icewind Dale or even fallout is going to play exactly like it. Yeah. Well, we're, we're going to divest you of that. <laughs> so during the course of our relationship, so don't don't you worry, little Cole. Like when, when we get to the Fallout episode, you'll learn that that's not the case. Yeah. Fallout's turn based. Like yeah. Fallout, Fallout's a thousand times better. Well, this can be turn based too. Well, yeah. If you like, the, but the the weird thing is, like Baldur's Gate never worked. 
in, in turn-based. I don't know why that is exactly. It's just too many things happen. Yeah. Whereas Fallout with its like action point system is yeah. beautiful turn-based. Okay. Like it's really, really fun and, and you'll never want to turn it to real time. Or at least, if, I mean, if you're anything like me, but combat is a highlight of Fallout. It's okay. not something you, you struggle through. Like combat's really fun and tactical and like, you know, is, is really neat. And even, even Baldur's Gate, like combat in Baldur's Gate is really good too. I, it's, you know, we've kind of picked on some of the specific examples as to why combat in this game fucking blows so much. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, it's really the, the arenas aren't big enough. Um, your, your move set is not very strong. Your characters are all, you can't buy armor. So like all your, there's no way to improve the durability of your characters. Like enemies ramp up, but what, you know, new weapons are fairly hard to find or very expensive. Only a couple of characters can actually wear armor. Um, you more likely get tattoos, which very rarely raise your armor class. They're much more likely to raise like a stat, mm-hmm. which is all well and good, but there's very little you can do to make yourself less, less likely to be hit. So no matter what happens, you're absorbing a lot of hits. Those are the big problems with it. Like, you know, the characters have a wide enough variety. Like I like that there's, you know, you get a lot of different mages. They can do, you know, a good number of different things. It's just the fact that everybody is as fragile as wet paper. It's, but I guess that's probably the biggest problem. That and the fact that the enemies are just a little too strong. Yeah. And there are a, little, a few too many of them. Oh, it's way too yeah. many of them. And the fact that yeah. just they can surround you and just make your life a living hell for you. That and yeah, like real quick. It's really difficult when they're in a mob to, to target like a specific one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, just, I don't know. Yeah, so, it's... So, it's- it's bad. Suffice to say, like, you know, this this area and any other area that, you know, emphasizes combat is is just the goddamn worst. <laughs> yeah. It's so, fucking annoying. So so cheat past it if oh, you get there. If you I so just, cheated. Yeah, I just cheated up. Yeah. I, I got down here, I downloaded a program, I gave everybody twenty in every stat, and I was like, Okay, mm-hmm. we are yep. we are proceeding in this direction. And that uh Let's do it. Even then, sometimes it wasn't enough. So, I mean, we probably bagged on combat enough yeah. for, for these two episodes. No, I, I will never defend it. It sucks. Yeah. But yeah. What is, so the, the plot stuff around this area I still kind of like. Oh, yeah. Like, there, you, there are you, definitely yeah, good points. Yeah. Even, even, even here, which is, you know, because the combat is so bad and because there's so much of it in this area, it is the worst part of the game. Um, you're, you're going towards down there's this, this angel, this fallen angel who has... Uh, you know, the secret knows how to find your mortality. Um, his name is Trias, who uh, is voiced by John Delancey or Q. Yeah, or is, uh, what's his name from uh, Breaking Bad? Yeah, the air traffic controller from Breaking <laughs> Bad. Yeah, because he was voiced, I initially thought that he was supposed to be playable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but he he's one of the three, the three enemies. He's he's like Ravel. Yeah. So, yeah, and he needs his sword back to to escape, and so you have to go into into the you know go into this prison and fight. Uh, just tons and tons and tons of uh, prison guards to get his sword. Yeah. Um, you get it from this demon thing named Cassius, and that's kind of fun. Yeah. Because it's like a battle of wits. Well, it can be either a battle of wits, a battle of dexterity, or a battle of strength. Why anybody would choose anything but wits is beyond me. <laughs> but... I know. At this point, <laughs> like, like you've just been through like ten battles of strength, like you know, <laughs> ten, ten, like ten minute long battles of strength, and you've reloaded and walked back to the one very specific place you can rest, like just over and over and over. Like, no thanks. Um, the other thing I really like about this this area, um, so we, you know, you free Trius and he just he takes off. Mm-hmm. And uh, and disappears, and you you know you're gonna go find him. But I love I I really like meeting Valor. Um, you know he's not there's not that much to him. He's a late era NPC. He doesn't have as much depth. 
but the interaction, specifically the one you had with him, is very cool. Well, okay, so some context for who for who Valar was. Um, he was somebody that you had taken with you on an earlier incarnation. He was a Mercy Killer, and uh, Mercy Killer, it's a faction. Can you join the Mercy Killers? I forget. No. No? Nope. Okay. So they're not... Okay, so it's like... Yeah, so basically they're uh, lawful neutral or... Yeah, lawful neutral. Basically they, they, they believe that Mercy and any force of good or any force of evil, rather, should be eradicated. Um, so... He has joined you, but he died previously. But because his will was so strong, and because just kind of like his hatred for any kind of good in the world was so strong, he remained bound as this restless spirit to well, his he, armor. Hatred for injustice. Hatred it's for not injustice. specifically like yeah, evil. It's just yeah, it's it's about justice. Okay, there we go. Yeah, um, yeah. He, he remained bound to his armor, and so you can recruit him as your sixth party member um, if you don't have Ignis with you, um, or or Nordum. Uh, mm-hmm. to, 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 to be a part of your party. Um, or you can do like I did and you can talk to him and basically he says, does mercy have a place in the world? Like, well, well actually maybe mercy does. And then you can, if your, if your stats are high enough, if your mental stats are high enough, you can logic him out of existence. You can basically talk away his reason for existing by saying that because laws are set by man, they're not really that fallible. They're, they're not really that infallible. And so he just kind of whisks away. Right. Right. It's, it's really neat. It's just one of the big themes of this game is that power of belief thing. And that's really coming to the forefront here with like what's going to happen to Cursed um, with this. But there was there were shades of it, um, you know, earlier, too. That was a big thing with the uh, the uh, undead city where these people, you know, willpower was keeping these the undead alive. And this is kind of a shade of like Swago trying to talk skeletons and giving up their reason for existence, you right. know. Um, Baylor is kind of neat if you, you get him. For one, he's immensely strong. Uh-huh. Uh, he is a very strong fighter. Um, so getting him makes the remainder of, the, of combat that you have to do pretty you know easy. And the story behind why you decide to have him join you is very interesting um, in that you know the practical incarnation did it, and the reason why is because he's actually a threat. <laughs> like You're so powerful, but this person who embodies justice may be able to kill you. Like somebody who is actually kind of an elemental, like an idea almost. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some other fun things with him too. You can get him to look at your other party members with this like justice vision that tells whether somebody is guilty. And that's a, a terrible idea, but really interesting because <laughs> you know, obviously everybody you're with is, is guilty and, uh, you either have to talk him down or kind of logic him out of it. Okay. Um, one of the things, you know, when he looks at you, he sees every terrible thing you've done and his eyes start to glow and he starts shaking and like, and you have to convince him really quickly that you you have already been punished, that okay. everything you've been through is already enough punishment, and then you get him that you kind of talk him down, um, and then later something happens really neat that I'll, I'll bring up um, with the next kind of mandatory boss fight mm-hmm. with him. But and then for a reason even later than that, um, <laughs> there, there's a good there's a good metagame reason not to take him with you, right. and uh, we'll get to that. So I, I was I was wondering I was racking my brain trying to realize why he told me not to take Philor, um, mm. you know. So yeah, I don't know if I'm glad that uh, I didn't or not because I did decide to cheat. But oh well. Yeah, I mean you you could you would have been fine. Yeah. Like I was fine without cheating. It was just really hard. Right. So so you you can decide to take him or not. Like you can miss him really easily. Like if you just go through the if you just go through the the portal, you can you can miss him. But if you walk behind the portal, there he is. So he really is like secret. Like he's Vincent. a hidden character. Yeah, he's Vincent, he's Vincent. Yuffie. Yeah, exactly. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, so after this, you go to the the Outlands, and so you know the uh, uh, Trius had told you that there's somebody who might be able to help you. It's a demon named uh, Fuel, or uh, I don't yeah, know how you fuel. want to pronounce this. Yeah, let's say Fuel. Fuel. Yeah. Um, so the uh, he is a demon who has been tricked into doing good deeds. <laughs> he, he he and he's he's a comic relief character. God. And it's kind of great. And you, you can kind of come across ideas, you know. So obviously, you're like, you know, can we rest here? And then eventually you'd be like, got any magic items? And he has to do it because he's <laughs> under this geese or guys or whatever. Um, and he eventually lets you know, you know, he doesn't uh, uh, he does not know what what how to give you your mortality back. And his like the, his, the dialogue when he can't help you is really fun. Like the time you ask him a question, he doesn't know the answer to I can't to. help you. <laughs> yeah, he's so happy about it. Like, I can't help you with that. And he's, like, laughing and, and, and stuff. But uh, he suggests going to uh, Beator or going to, you know, hell, essentially, and talking to the Pillar of Skulls. Which you know about if you have spoken with Mort uh, to any length. Right. Well, not just to any length. What what happens is um, if you ask Anna or ask uh, Falls from Grace about Mort, um, she mentions that he smells like Beator. Mm-hmm. And then you can challenge him on that and be like, you know, look, you're not really uh, – uh, um, what's the word? The, a memory. The, a memory. Yeah, you're not an information box. Like you're actually, you know, you're a, from Beator. You know this, uh, and you can kind of challenge him on that. So, uh, fuel. He kind of, you know, tells you get out, you know, get the hell out, please. You can stay here if you want. I don't care. You can drink all my beer. That's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I love that contradiction. I love, I love a demon who is forced to do good. I love uh, an angel who is uh, compelled to do evil. Um, all of yeah. that. It's good stuff. Uh, Subversion. Yep. Take a shot. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> this is where um, Anna tried to leave me, but then I talked her into coming back, which was good. Um, mm-hmm. And then you you warp into uh, into Bator. Both the Outlands and Bator. Um, hell should be more interesting than spending fifteen minutes running away from demons. Yeah, there's the fact that you if if combat was at all a possibility, there's a couple like. Very, very little kind of interesting things that can happen in Beator. There are a couple of succubuses who dress up as damsels in distress kind of, kind of creatures. And, but you have to hunt them out, and you you are just sending your hardiest person to the other side of the map is, is you know what you're doing to get through this. Like, you can't risk running into these demons, you know, which in a way, like, that's, you know, that makes sense for hell. Like, you shouldn't be able to just go toe-to-toe with demons, but uh, it's it's still fucking obnoxious, and you just run. Run, 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 run. But I actually, I like the Pillar of Skulls. Oh, yeah, it's great. Right? That's real. That's real fun. In order to get informa- information from it, you have to sacrifice to it. So for and, me, and that you're... resulted in dropping 30 hit points from my max HP. But Yeah. What's, what's interesting is there aren't that many. So the uh, the different kind of sacrifices you have, um, there's two things you need to ask it. It's like one who can, who can tell you how to get to your mortality. And then if you were not smart enough to ask fuel um how to get out of out of hell you have to ask it that we have a wide variety of things you can sacrifice and and the kind of good option which cole is talking about is sacrificing yourself and uh that you know involves like giving it a drop of blood giving it uh, these things that symbolize you know great numbers of hit points and you can lose a lot of your strength but you can also sacrifice party members um you can put mort back into the pillar of skulls oh no which like if you're if you're a monster <laughs> and then uh kind of interestingly you can still get him out again um, but the other skulls take huge bites out of you, and it's even bigger uh, hit point loss. Um, but kind of one of the things, you, if you're smart enough, the kind of best 
case scenario is to tell them what they want to know where fuel is and you can you can lie to them you can tell them where fuel is but tell them a lie and that's probably the the option which you're losing the least um because i was evil i told them where fuel was and told them the truth so because fuck <laughs> that guy because i was evil and uh but it's an interesting concept this idea of like everyone who is you know false advisors in this kind of gigantic like grotesque pillar that know everything you know that can uh draw from the knowledge of all of these different brains that you can lie to them yeah 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 totally and and man just that like it was a neat neat idea in general like i like that idea when you uh when you, you do get the way back um you end up back in cursed and because of uh trius coming back and casting vengeance on this town you know that imprisoned him or left him to be imprisoned um it's pretty much in riot mode like where the actual when you get to cursed it is, it is ghost town but you go and you can travel through this kind of border area and the town has been sucked through to uh Carceri. Yeah. And uh and that's just that you know more of that that belief as actual power kind of thing. So Trius has influenced Cursed into Carceri, um which I I love Carceri because like I went and I looked at the uh I, I looked at the Wikipedia entry um mm-hmm. for for Carceri and just I I love everything about the D&D planes and planescape planescape in general because the descriptions are so so much more interesting than what can be like shown on a visual medium. Yeah. It's it's not meant to be. It's meant to be described by a an excellent dungeon master. <laughs> it is. But like it's meant to be described like it was it was designed I think by somebody who's who like did airbrush designs on the sides of vans. Right. So, so it's like a, it's, it's like a series of concentric globes, and at the center is like the very frozen heart of the river Styx, where all traders are frozen, and like a, in outer areas. And then just like the area that you see is is like basically cursed, but it's desert still, and maybe yeah. a little bit darker, and there are demons. Yep. <laughs> so. And and just like you know, uh, just kind of rioting people, and kind of like you know, one of the interesting things I, I played through evil, so I did not do this, but. One of the things you do, you're supposed to be doing in this part is, um, you know, convincing people to do good deeds because it's going to make that, you know, put cursed back into, you know, suck it out of uh, carceri. And that, you know, again, power of belief, et cetera. And it's kind of a fun little, um, there's some interesting little little tidbits related to that. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of trying to change an entire town's um, alignment. Yeah, just, you know, it just it, it's all basic stuff, you know, talking people out of lynching people, um, you know, talking people out of uh, rioting, things like that. It's, and, uh, you know what it is, Gary? It's Ghostbusters. No, it's Ghostbusters oh, 2. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're using the power of uh, that song that everybody likes <laughs> to, uh, to, to make the slime positive. Um, yeah, it is, the ooze or what, what have you. Yeah, exactly like that. They've got yeah. the they've got that one NES action arcade thing, and they're yeah. and they're, and they're controlling it's the Statue the, of Liberty. The, the the point in the game where the nameless one Mort and Anna get into a gigantic Lady of Stain uh, Lady of Pain statue <laughs> and just pilot it across the Outlands. <laughs> Is it love? <laughs> There's a painting yeah. of the transcendent one. You know, it's yeah. <laughs> What's cool is, is this mechanically, it's optional, but mechanically influences the game. Because the more you do this, the weaker Trius gets. Right. So if you do all of the good deeds, you get kind of shitty, weak Trius with uh, weak you know, underlings. And, and I, who had done uh, none of the things, had to fight super, super crazy, fucking hard Trius. And uh, is really, really difficult. And is, is one of the, the points where I was very glad I had uh, Valor, because that pretty much made it possible 
and still took tons of tries. Well, what's pro- the, the the problem with Trius isn't that he's just like really strong and that he has you know minions. He also like casts really really high level spells and he can cast a bunch of them in a row. So mm-hmm. he will stun lock you into basically having a party wipe. That's that's what I encountered at, at the very least. And the spell effects, like, you, you know, I could see how they were awesome at the time. It was really just frustrating for me uh, because they weren't full screen on mine. They were just like a small little area. <laughs> mm, a person stamp. Yeah, yeah, like a little, like a little, FM, like a little FMV. Yeah, like mist, like the postage stamp of the door opening up. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is like it was like neat, but like I've seen I've seen like the people compare the spell effects and torment to uh, to like Final Fantasy VII, you know, just kind of like oh, it takes you into these movies and it's awesome, and it's like ah, yeah, no. Oh, I'm sure it was at the time. It just you know we've been we've been jaded. Like it probably would have been really impressive. I remember Final Fantasy VII uh, taking people over and showing them the the summoning effects. Oh yeah, like, this is the coolest thing ever. But all of the you know the the character models in that game are really ugly. Like, I, I think that game is kind of unfairly maligned. Like, I actually like Final Fantasy VII, despite the fact that it's become a very popular, you know, dog to kick on the internet. But, uh, uh, you know, the fact that I, I brought somebody over who's not into video games was like, you have to see Ifrit. <laughs> and then, like, show, showed him Ifrit. And Ifrit just looks like a bunch of, you know, flesh-colored and fire-colored balloons kind of glued together, like yeah. balloon animals, you know? Like, I don't know. Gra- like, it's interesting the way that, like, New graphics look good, and 16-bit and before graphics look good, and then there's this entire gulf of just absolute garbage in like the 32-bit Nintendo 64 area that just looks like such shit. You know, <laughs> my uh, my 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 assistant manager at Babbage's um, mm-hmm. back in the day, he uh, <laughs> he he was a black guy. Which which is only mm-hmm. important because because of the, the the delivery of the line. My manager was really big into EverQuest, and so was I. You know, so mm-hmm. we, we we would talk about EverQuest all day, and you know, and he and he was there, and just we we talk about it, and then we'd like try and get him into it. It's like, man, it looks like a bunch of Doritos fighting. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like like that so accurately sums everything up yeah. about the 32-bit era. Like from That's 1995 amazing. to like 2005, it's a bunch That's of Doritos amazing. fighting. That's awesome. <laughs> so, so yeah. Despite the fact that the, the boss fight with Trius is no great shakes, the dialogue before and after is pretty cool. Not the least of which, or, you know, like, you, you, there's a straight up Dark Tower, like, reference and, like, call to and illusion. Like, the, the way that you can win with Trius and, like, get out of, you know, killing him yourself or having him kill you is by alluding to the alluding to the dark tower by saying, you know, Trius, have you forgotten the face of your father? Mm. Which is your way of saying like, Hey, listen, you're an angel. You have to be forgiven. So just go there and, you know, be penitent and you'll be fine. But I love that because there's so many parallels between this and, uh, and the dark tower, uh, you know, parallel, not being a pun on parallel universes. Um, (laughs) But it's nice. A part of it is like I don't I don't specifically know that reference, yeah. but I love it when you notice uh, parallels between something and then you run into something that shows you that the writer, you know, that's intentional <laughs> or that the writer knows it too. Uh huh. You know that that can be really fun. The influences when the influences like like hey maybe this has something oh yep definitely it does okay cool yeah, yeah. we're on the same page yeah. it's a shared it's it's a you know it's kind of like when you and a girl like the same band. Yeah yeah totally the the I, I love also that it's up to you to. To, to kill Trius or redeem him. 
And the, one of the things I mentioned earlier that I, I was going to talk about is if you have Valor in your party, you can choose to redeem him, and then Valor goes, fuck that, and kills him. <laughs> like, cuts off his head. So he's just like, no, 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 no. Like, this person is, is too guilty for that. <laughs> and uh, and then you get experience for both. Oh, yeah. Like, you get, it's, you know, you get, because this is the point in the game where you're getting, like, experience rewards that are all more than, like, 500,000. <laughs> and, 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 like, you're just getting so much experience for story stuff. By knowing the circle of Zerthamon, I have grown stronger. <laughs> there cannot be two skies. Yeah, it is. It is a. I, I like the actual the the resolution of Trias uh, quite a bit. Yeah, and uh, that gets you back to uh, you're back in uh, Sigil, and yeah. you're you're really kind of entering endgame here. You can dust up some like quests that you hadn't done up to that point. I didn't really just because I, I was I was interested in seeing the I was interested in seeing the end. Um, I was about eight beers deep at that point um, on a Saturday gaming uh, Planescape binge. <laughs> um, so, so I was, I was, yeah. I was really on a, on a war path. Although after hearing that Mebeth was, um, Ravel's incarnation, I went back and visited her and that's actually a really touching little scene. Yeah. She's, she's dying. Yeah. Um, and then you, you know, you just have this, this ability to, to comfort her or she, not. She, she's like, is she, is she dying or is she like Marty McFly when, you know, like fading. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if I was quite clear. I don't know the mechanics of how Mebeth or how uh, <laughs> Rebel, uh, you know, operates outside of her maze. You know, whether it's like how Slenderman, you know, controls those people in the masks or whether it's like actually like, you know, whether she's actually there or what, what's going on. But in either case, something about uh, uh, Rebel, you know, dying, uh, even though Rebel doesn't quite actually die. Like we kind of glossed over that. But there's uh-huh. a very funny scene where your mortality comes up and she's playing dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, after you killed her, and she's go away, go away, which is which is pretty fun. Nobody here but us chickens, us very dead chickens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, so, and I think that even game wise, there's a good reason to do all your side quests before you leave the planes because you're going to enter into all these very tough combats. Um, you know, so I've always played it doing everything I could in every area as I got there. So I did, I've never come back with anything to do either what's funny is you learn from trius you know whether you decide to redeem him or not that the portal to the fortress of regrets um of all places is at the very beginning which mm-hmm. again is something that i love where the end is written at the begin to the beginning cause a circle all of that kind of good stuff um mm-hmm. and, and this is mm-hmm. one of those cases where you do go back to the beginning and it is awesome yeah it's really cool like you're going into the like one of the things i love is you're going into the the, the thing called the Fortress of Regrets, and uh, you know this is this is where your mortality is. And out of nowhere, uh, Mort and Decon both start spilling the beans. Like they're both just like, okay, hold on a second, we have some stuff to tell you that we've been keeping from you. And it turns <laughs> out this is not that you know. Throughout the game, and, and one of my favorite, uh, very minor plots is you learn a little bit about this group of companions that was with you before, and your your mo- the practical incarnation incarnation's most successful run on the Fortress of Regrets. And that's when you enslaved Dekan. That's when you first met Mort. Um, that's when you uh, tricked Danara into following you. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there's another companion, this uh, Zachariah. Zachariah, um, who, who is yeah. uh, zombie number 42. Yeah, which is really awesome. Like, I love that there's this, uh, you know, I, uh, uh, totally optional, you know, you can go back and, and, and uh, find out about, about him and then go find him and get some items, but also learn a little bit about this guy mm-hmm. um, and, and perform a mercy killing on him. Yeah, he was a blind, but, um, he was he, a blind archer, is what he was. Yeah, a drunk. 
Rogue Blind Archer, <laughs> who, who could who could not miss, had the power not to miss. And it's like I kind of want to play that game. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I would play the Dakan Mort Dianara Zachariah uh, Practical Incarnation game too. Um, but they, they, you know, they're just saying, you know, we've been here before. It didn't go well, you know, <laughs> like and then, and then I, I love that. And it's really kind of like touching, like all the times I've played through, you know, kind of good before, like, you know, one of the one of the my favorite. I love the relationship between Mort and the Nameless One, because like yeah. Mort, it's a buddy buddy thing. But Mort loves you, too. Like, yeah. you know, Mort, like a lot of the characters are drawn to you just by this, you know, and, and he kind of, you know, you can at this point, you can ask him, like, why, you know, why you're following me. Like, you can tell him if you don't want to go through this, you don't have to. And uh, Anna decides to go through it, and Fall from Grace decides to go through it, you know, experience-wise. And Dakan has to, um, you know. But it's also one of those points where you can say, uh, "I love being, you know, tricking Dakan into slavery is one of the most evil things you've ever done." And I love the point in the game where I can be like, "Well, I don't even need to ask you, slave." And 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 it's just it's so like I can just see his like happiness meter behind the scenes just like sinking through the floor. Um, but Mort is going because he's your buddy. Like, it's just, you know, he, he likes you, you know, and it's just, it's really kind of touching. Like his speech right before this point is really kind of sweet. Okay. So for you, because you played evil, did he put in that bit where he says, well, Hey chief, here's the thing. The previous use, they weren't so nice, but you're a good guy. Did, did he, he, he actually, throw that in? Yeah, he, he did. Which oh. was disappointing to me. This is the first time I gotten that point, and And I always liked that, that, you know, that little revelation. He still kind of does it. Um, he does, there is a line, I don't know if it's optional or if it's every time, where he talks about how he can see the potential, mm-hmm. you know, in Good For You or something like that. Um, so maybe it's just uh, uh, kind of covering both bases. Yeah. And to be fair, like, as evil as I was, I was not as evil as Practical Incarnation, <laughs> you know, which, <laughs> which is setting a new standard for, for that. See, that, that, um, that. That's funny because, like, I get, you know, what everybody says about playing an evil playthrough in this game is that you you, you are worse than any villain in, in, in any other game by playing it. But just the idea that you can't be more evil than the practical incarnation or the good incarnation. Like, just that, right. <laughs> that nothing you yeah. do can damn you more than they have been damned. It just I, I more or less think that's true. Like, you, you do very evil things in this through an evil playthrough, but... The uh, nothing, you know, nothing beats that DNR sensory stone. Uh, nothing beats that, like, tricking, De- you know, tricking Dakan to pledging his life to somebody who is immortal. You know, like, you know, you have to be with me until you save my life. Well, it's like, well, you, it's impossible for you to save my life. Like, that, that's the kind of insidious long-term planning that, that uh, takes a real beautiful mind. It just makes and me, it's, it's, it makes me sad just hearing about it. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's real intense. But the, the, so the, this is a big alignment shift moment too mechanically because you to go into this portal you have to to rip off a piece of your skin and write a regret on it, and depending on what you regret, it's going to change your your alignment. Rewind. Um, did, did did we say that the portal was in the mortuary? I said it was in the beginning, yeah. but okay, we said it was oh, in the yeah, mortuary. Oh yeah, I believe so. Okay, we, cool. we might have. Yeah. Okay, cool. I just want to make that entirely clear that that's what we were what we were alluding to. Also, did you yeah. take the uh, the dialogue option to yell at Mort? saying you knew the entire time that the portal was right yeah <laughs> did you take that i yeah, did yeah. i didn't because it yeah. wasn't it wasn't what my nameless one In would character. do but <laughs> yeah and, and and he and he pretty much says like you know the, the it didn't go well you know like <laughs> didn't you didn't you hear me like it went really poorly like i don't nest <laughs> i don't really want to go back here you know like i don't want you to go back here you're going to die right like this is a real serious place Okay, and it, t- it turns out it is more or less true. Like it, it is a, a really tough, uh, intense yeah. place. 
What did what did you as an evil person say that you regretted? Um, so like something like I can't remember specifically because I, I actually beat this game quite a while ago. Okay. Um, did the playthrough for the podcast, but something something fucking evil like you know <laughs> that I didn't have more power or something like just something like ruthless and terrible. And then afterwards, you know, Mark's like, "Okay, let's go." <laughs> you know, just uh, just goes along with it. I regretted the suffering that my friends had to go through to get me here. Yeah, and that's that's probably what I really regretted. In there, if, if I were if I was actually playing it, it was probably what I regretted every other playthrough. So one of the things that makes this such a, a a capital B big deal is that you're separated from your companions. One of the things this thing does is kind of separate groups like a like a prism, and uh, send everybody to their own little corner. So you start out, you're immediately alone, and God help you if all of your heal, healing items were on fucking balls and brace, because <laughs> the uh, you know, um, not that you know you're gonna do very much actual fighting here. You're gonna do a little bit. You're doing a lot of running. So much running. Yeah. Because like one of the big one of the big story beats is that the the the, the thing that has been powering your immortality. Is, oh yeah, we, we did yeah, we skipped this. Yeah, we skipped yeah, but this. But this is big here, so it, it might it might as well say it. Yeah, I think you find out from Ravel or from Trius or something like saying like, hey, the the reason that you like don't die is because somebody dies in your stead. So yeah. and then they become these undead shadows that populate the uh the 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 fortress of regrets then they can be sent out by the uh, the transcendent one you know this ultimate you know enemy that you've been fighting to uh to kill people who you know displease him right so, and to and to try to kill you oh yeah um you know because you get attacked by these things they kill uh farad if if, if you're not cole if cole doesn't kill farad and <laughs> the shadows do and the reason why is because that you know they you you realize at this point that the reason why they killed Parad is just they were they were trying to kill him before he gave you the information he gave you. They were just too late, right? You know, and that that kind of plays into the transcendent one's motivations, which are are really interesting. But that just adds like this level of guilt. You know, this you've been immortal for how many generations, and uh, every time it's a little bit like um, Carnival. If you've ever seen Carnival, um, there's a plot thread that's similar to that about like if something is going to be healed, something needs to die in its place, right? And, uh, yeah, it's kind of nice. You run into to Dianara here, like the actual, you know, actual Dianara. And you can kind of have a little redemptive moment with her, you know, if you're if you're a good guy, um, which, you know, kind of closes the loop on that, which I, I wonder how much of that was just, you know, we need to have some kind of closure with this because we left a big sucking gaping chest wound, <laughs> you know, in her players for like the last like 20 hours. Well, I mean, this, the story behind Dinara, I mean, obviously we talked, we talked about the sensory stone, but that is, that's really interesting because, you know, she, you're introduced to her at the beginning of the game as this, oh, you're my one true love. And then you find out this complicated relationship or non-relationship that she had with a previous you. And, and, mm -hmm. you know, she, she asks you at the end, do you love me or do you not love me? And, you mm -hmm. know, the, really the, the way to get out of that is to say, you know, I thank you for your help, but I really don't. And then that's like, okay, I am freed from my longing. I am freed from this. And so I can, I can proceed on, you know, she just needed like in, in a way that, that mirrors, you know, actual relationships, like, you know, you just need to be honest and figure out where you're going to end up. Right. You know? Um, and, and, and a real twist of real cold-hearted shit. Like, the reason why she's even there is because the practical incarnation left her there to have, like, a set of eyes there. Mm -hmm. Because she can kind of, her ghost can manifest in the mortuary. So, and this is, you know, you're getting these huge, huge glimpses of these, like, ten steps ahead Batman-style, 
strategizing that he's been doing. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. I hate yeah. that guy. <laughs> you know, well, and like, luckily you can close that loop uh, fairly soon. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, one of the things that yeah, the things that happens here is you're running around on your own, and whenever you transition to an area, it shows one of your companions um, being killed by this 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 transcendent one. Um, and they kind of defend you, you know, they uh, talk about, uh, you know, defending you and, and, and what they love about you and everything, which is another thing that rang a little bit false being an evil playthrough. Mm-hmm. Like, what did what did Falls from Grace respect about me? You know, like, why was she willing to die for me? I was just, I was a complete monster. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was a little bit disappointing, but it kind of reinforces the idea that the game makes it really hard to be evil and maybe, you know, that's not the canon playthrough. Right. Um, but one of the little twists here is that um, everybody you know, kind of dies fighting you except for Ignis, um, who gets kind of seduced um, by the transcendent one. Or, if you don't have Ignis, uh, Valor. And uh, you're going to have to fight this person, and Ignis is very easy to beat, and Valor is fucking tough as, a, <laughs> as an effete mage with only uh, with 25 wisdom, charisma, 25 intelligence, and 13 dexterity, as I had. So that was a really tough fight. And I, I had 20s across the board, so I could have mopped the floor with them, but oh well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I like I like that part because they, they, they do seem like the two who are the most, like, tenuously loyal to you. Like, Ignis, if you, yeah. if, if you say the word, you know, uh, subordinate to him or whatever, or I, I forget. Yeah, supplicant. Supplicant. Yeah, if you say supplicant to him, yeah. he'll, 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 go, he'll go fucking nuts. And uh, Valor, yeah. he's never, a, he, he never portrayed himself as a good guy so well, he originally came he is a good guy he's he's like the best guy <laughs> like <laughs> the extension of that you're the bad guy and he knows it you know? uh, so you're just kind of taking advantage of the fact that his mind is not all there and kind of tricking him into not killing you so keeping him next to you is a bad idea anyway and yeah. you should know it okay. so you're right they do kind of telegraph that like these are these are bad people to keep in your in your home but it's but it's interesting because you you know they 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 are the two most likely to turn on you so mm-hmm. I, I i like i like that but once you do beat ignis or valor uh you find this crystal that is meant to uh to imprison you it has imprisoned all of your previous incarnations, or at least the ones who are most successful. The ones who have made it here. Yes, and these are yes. my th- like. This is my favorite part of the game. This yeah, this is, this is awesome. The uh, you, you run into the three people who have made it, and it's you know that that uh, practical incarnation we've talked about, who, who's a huge asshole. Um, the the paranoid one is what they call him, who's the one who's fucking crazy, and then the good incarnation, which you find out is your original self. Yeah, the first one of you who made this this kind of a uh, Faustian bargain yeah. to give up your your mortality, and that was a huge and, uh, reveal to me because I thought that ulti- I thought that the transcendent one was my original incarnation. I thought that mm-hmm. ultimately the enemy that I was going to fight was going to be myself. Right, and well, it's kind of interesting they they you know that would have been very thematically strong. Um, they do kind of play into it like one of the ways you can deal with the transcendent one is by poking holes in the fact of what he is. You know, that he is just like barely a consciousness that is kind of formed from this. But uh, you're right, like that is a, you know, that is a neat idea yeah. as well. Again, um, subversion, take a shot. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, out of, one of the, the most satisfying part of these conversations, you know, ultimately you need to get rid of these these people. They're standing in your way. And the, the best way to do it is to absorb them, like take this this past self into yourself. But you have a lot of different ways to do it, and they're all willing to talk to you for a while before it happens. So you learn like so much. Like this is closing the loop on every unanswered question 
in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so talking to the the uh, practical one, you learn. You know, he's the one who, and you kind of intuit this, like based on on stats, like oh, you're the one who who made Dakan a slave. You know, you're the one who tricked Dianara, and he gives you his justifications for it, and they're just they're just cold and and just unfeeling and sociopathic and 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 really really unnerving and be, like it's it's misleading because they called him the practical one you think like okay there's going to be the paranoid the 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 good and then the practical so the, you know practical is going to be neutral he, right like it, you know he's the one who bought renter's insurance you know or something <laughs> like that <laughs> like you know not not the case Exactly. So, uh, yeah, the the practical one quite clearly is evil, and we've 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 made enough uh, enough mention of you know practicality mm-hmm. and evil being kind of synonymous in this in, right. in in this game. But I, I like. Is there any way to deal with him other than if you have a high enough wisdom or intelligence that you can uh, you can you can best his will? Because that's what I did. Like you can say, okay, yeah. I'm ready to I'm ready to merge with you. Wink, wink. Right. Not saying like he, you know. he thinks he's going to do it to you. Like he thinks he's going to suck you up before he sucks up these other people, and you can trick him. Um, you can fight him mm-hmm. too. Like if if you like fighting in this game, and and uh, <laughs> you, you know the uh, uh, if you haven't you, listened you can to a word him. we said. <laughs> yeah, I know. If you untrusted your own instincts throughout up this point, you can fight him if you'd like. There are multiple ways to deal with all these these people. The the paranoid one is kind of fun because if you've uh, if you've ever snapped anyone's neck in the game, you can reach out and snap his neck. Um, he's the one at this time you can you can absorb him, but it's very it's through some tricky dialogue. So this one I accidentally fought, and uh, he rips off his arm and fights you with it, which is incredible. That's so <laughs> and he, funny. And he hasn't done that much, but you learn a little bit about what he's the crazy things he's done. Yeah. Um, throughout the time. Like in a lot of ways, he's more cunning than the practical one is. He's just unhinged, so he can't right. focus. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have motivations that, uh, that. There's kind of a part of this where the three of them being trapped together for forever is kind of a weird hell as other people kind of thing. Like the <laughs> the practical incarnation is definitely very annoyed with the other two. Yeah, and talks about how awful they are. And the paranoid one talks about how they you know they're just st- they, they've stolen his body, and you've stolen his body. And everything like it's just kind of interesting the idea of them being trapped like i want to watch like a sitcom about the three incarnations just kind of you know my three incarnations like just it's, trapped in this crystal it's like herman's know? head except transplanter <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah herman's head reference in 2012 yeah. folks yeah man um, hey i watched that show hey the know. um the uh uh and then you talk to the, the good one and you learn you know the good one uh is, is a good person hasn't done that you know, that many evil acts, but you learn kind of, you know, your motivation for like why you got, uh, or one of, you know, your motivation for removing your, your mortality. And you can learn your real name, um, from the good one, really? which is not, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of tricky, but your name is, I think it's Yemma is your character's name. Yemeth. That, that's, yeah, what, Yemeth, that's, yeah. that's one of, that's one of the names that's, that, that, that's written on the side. I think, oh man, because when you learn your real name from the, uh, from the bronze sphere later on, spoiler, um, it, it's, it's it, like, it doesn't reveal it to you. I thought that was one of the, you know, it was the lost in translation, what he whispered into her ear, kind of like secret yeah. of the game. You don't, you don't, you, you never realize what your real name is. Is it a dog? What's in Who the knows? trunk and, uh, what's in the trunk and Pulp Fiction? Yeah. 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 That kind of thing. But, uh, no, you, you, you know, you learn your name and, and getting like English majory for like a second, like this to me is the thematic core of the game is that you, you are dealing with things you've already done. 
you know, like the, this game, like it, it, the strongest theme for me, and there, there are many, many themes in this game, is this idea of like, hey, you know, I used to be an asshole. Like I've done a lot of terrible things to people and, you know, in a way it wasn't me but you still have to, there's still consequences of it. Like there's, it's like that, uh, you know, that Magnolia, like we may be done with the past, but the past isn't done with us, Mm -hmm. you know? And that like speaks to me on a really, really deep level. Like this, like, you know, this feeling of like guilt, like you were, you know, you were the me, like you were the, the mindset that, that did this awful thing to this awful person, you know, that, uh, that, you know, I will always, always remember. And it's not like, you know, I've never sold anyone to slavery. (laughs) I've only got a couple of slaves now and the, 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 you know, yeah, but like, I've never done anything that bad, but like as somebody who like feels guilt really strongly, like I, you know, that's a, a, I internalize a lot of things and it's very easy for me to feel at fault, you know, kind of in general, it's like a really resonant theme for me. Like this, you know, kind of stages of your life, stages of man, like change as a, as an inevitable thing you know, the way that you, you are going to evolve, like you're, you're never going to just be yourself. Like, you know, the same way that like I have been, you know, maybe not these specific archetypes, but there's just times in my life where I was a worse person than I am now and times where I was a better, better person. And, and, you know, that, that just means a lot to me. Like it's just like, you know, make, that's what that reminds me of. And, and, you know, again, like we've said it before, like when you get something like that, like something real from a video game, it's, it's worth stopping and pointing out. You'd like to say that was a different me, but still, it's all just you in the end. Yeah, it's it's still all you. And something that you know, I keep coming back to in, in relation to my own life is like, if it was a different you, it doesn't matter because it still happened. Like, it doesn't invalidate any of any experience. You know, if you've done something awful to somebody, even if it was a different a different you, that's still something that they went through. Right. You know, and that's that's still something to be reckoned with. You know, and there are a lot of, you know, these like what can change the nature of a man, what, you know, what's identity. There are a lot of themes in this. And this one, you know, is probably not the central theme, but it's my favorite is this this idea, you know, of wrestling with with your past, like wrestling with guilt, you know, and kind of coming to terms with what what kind of monster you have maybe been, you know. So how do you feel about I mean, we, we know what the practical what the practical incarnation did. We know what the paranoid incarnation did. We don't know what the good incarnation did. We don't know what he did that made him so damned to live, you know, if, that, if he lived a thousand lifetimes as a good person, which he tried to do, but, you know, right. he didn't know the downsides of it. You know, how do, how do you feel that we just like ultimately don't know what he, you know, what he did? If it, it had to be worse than what the practical incarnation did, right? I, I think you're right. And then because of that, like, you know, th- th- that has to be left up to the imagination because if we if we knew it, it would be disappointing and not feel justified. Right. You know, no answer that could be there is going to feel big enough. You know, so so leaving it as as a an open open thing is is necessary. Right. You know. So at, at that point, like you know, the fact that I don't know what he's making up for, you know, doesn't doesn't affect my feelings on that specific theme mm-hmm. particularly. I know narratively they had to do it that way. Yeah. So. Yeah. So no, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I can't, I can't add to or disagree with anything you just said there. So I will, yeah. I, I will leave, I will leave well enough alone, except that you learn the, 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 the ultimate reason for, uh, for, 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 for why things are the way they are. Good incarnation, not a great guy at the beginning. Um, and he sought out Ravel in order to 
make himself immortal because when people die and they're bad and they're bad, they uh, are sent to the lower planes as petitioners to fight into the blood war, which you thought was just this extraneous piece of plot that you learned in the sensorium. Um, mm. You know, but it's actually like the entire reason for you being the way you are. Um, and so that is what happened. It is you ultimately trying not to take responsibility for the actions of any of your, of your incarnations. And right. the, the, the best resolution of this game um, is you accepting eternal damnation for, for what you did. It's accepting responsibility. Yep. yep. And, and you do that through, you know, you eventually you're, you're confronting the transcendent one. And uh, this is, you know, in classic uh, Chris Avalone uh, style, there are a lot of ways to take this. And that's kind of the strength of it. Like, I, I kind of, you know, now that you bring up this idea that you thought the end boss was going to be the first incarnation of you, like, in a way, that's really strong. Instead of kind of just being this humunculus based on, you know, kind of constructed of magic and mortality that just kind of gained, you know, a lot of power. Mm -hmm. um, I really like the Transcendent One's motivations. Like, I like this. Everything he's doing to hinder you, all the shadows, were never meant to hurt you. Like, he could care less whether, you know, he, or he does not want you to die. Like, that would be terrible for him. He just needs you to forget. So he's done a lot of things just to make you, you know, to kill you so you forget, so you will stop coming and bothering him. And uh, that's one of the tacks you can take to defeat him, is if you start poking holes in that story, like, you know, what do you, why do you care if I bother you? Like, what do you even have to live for? What do you want? Like, do you enjoy being in this, like, wasted ridiculous landscape with uh yeah it's not really a waste of landscape or whatever you'd call it this it's giant empty place it's right yeah. yeah totally totally like if you enjoy being on the the set of uh don't come around here no more <laughs> and uh the, <laughs> surrounded by by shadows and and just doing nothing like why would you even want that like you could start kind of challenging them on that level and it leads to you know winning through that you know through through intelligence or if you've you know you can, if you willed Valor out of existence, you can, if you got the stats for it, you can will him out of existence. Um, if you did a, a side quest earlier where you talked to a Coax Metal, which is a gigantic golem, uh, he can forge a weapon that can kill you, and you can uh, you can kill yourself to to kill kill the the, the transcendent one. And uh, and I think I feel like there's another option as well. Like you can talk him into. Uh, you know, talking him in, into in, into merging with you, like you yeah. can, you can a lot of ways you can do this. That's the best. Um, thing. Yeah, yeah. And if you suck, you can fight him. <laughs> so, oh, and yeah, the, the the one one fun thing about that is like you can trick him into giving you time to resurrect your companions for the fight, mm -hmm. and you find out that Mort has been playing dead, <laughs> like he didn't actually die. He just has been like scared and decided to uh, to play possum. <laughs> which is a fun little bit of dialogue. And but, it's the uh, way that he's always done it before too. <laughs> yep, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so there, there, there are a lot of ways. Um, how did you do it this playthrough? Um, this playthrough, I, uh, I did the, the sword. I had the weapon forged that could kill me, the blade of the immortal or what have you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and killed myself that way. Yeah. Cause it felt, you know, it felt the most, the most evil. You know, this kind of like, well, actually, you know, nobody gets the If I can't have it, nobody gets it, you know, kind of mentality. I got Took you. my ball and went home. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Did you uh, did you unleash Coke's metal up on the planes? Uh, I did. I did give him the, the Modron cube. So, yeah, that was uh, necessary to be as evil as I wanted to try to be. I, so. I did it, too, but only because I wanted that blade. 
Yeah. So I was yeah. I, I was chaotic good the entire game, but I got that. I got to there and I was like, oh, I really want right. this thing that he has. So. Yeah. But I ended up still being chaotic good at the end. So planes be damned. I'm gonna die anyway. You you've done enough enough stuff to uh, to balance <laughs> out that alignment. Exactly. So yeah, and and that is when you you get your your ending of the game. You know, you uh, you decide like, hey, I'm gonna go uh, fight in the blood war and atone because that's you know I can't run from this. I can't avoid what I've done. You know, all I've done is make things worse by trying to. Mm-hmm. You know, the planes have suffered by me breaking the walls. Yep, and and I'm going to be punished for it. And and just like it's it's so funny that that is the best ending or that is the most complete ending, right? Because mm-hmm. when I played through it initially, like when I when I first finished the game. It was it was a matter of me of, of of because I learned my true name from the uh, from the bronze sphere. I just said like, hey, mm-hmm. you know what? True names have true power. I know our name. Whatevs, I can mm-hmm. say it. And then I unmade him, and then it was credits, and he just yeah. And, and it's the, not, yeah, it's not it's not a great ending. It's not it, because because it's so unsatisfying. It's like okay, so my mortality's dead, so I am therefore doomed to walk through this world forever until I die and I'm reincarnated and then just ultimately will end up being in a stupor, you know, never, mm. ne- never able to, you know, basically outliving the universe as it were. Um, mm. Oh, and all my friends are dead still. So why not? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was really unsatisfying. So I went back in and I was like, okay, I'm going to keep doing this until I did get the ending where you merge with the transcendent one and you can, you know, use his infinite power of all these lifetimes to resurrect all your friends and, have this nice big positive moment, which itself kind of rang hollow. Um, yeah, a little bit. It doesn't feel like a game that's supposed to have a happy ending, but because it was the longest ending, it felt like the best one to me. I don't it's know. It's also, it contains that redemptive aspect to it. Yeah. The, uh, it's interesting the way that uh, we talked about this over email, but the way that, you know, you initially, the way you naturally played gave you a bad ending and then you, you adopted the ending that you wanted yeah. is very similar to how I played Silent Hill 2 where my natural ending was the frosty chocolate milkshakes ending. And I've just decided that, you know, no, I, uh, I went away with, um, I went away with Maria. So that, that's the, the, you know, the ending that I like the best. Um, so I just kind of decided that's canon for me. Yeah. And that's, and that's torment. That's torment. Credits roll. Awful electric guitar solo plays at the end. So we talked about a lot of the generals and the positives and negatives um, in the last episode, and then also throughout the episode. I mean, I think it's fair to say we we dislike the combat. We love the we love the text, we love the story, we love the themes. Those are those are all safe assumptions. But I mean, let's let's just kind of give our closing thoughts, you know, Jerry Springer style here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, we and and one of the nice things is is something about this this game. Like, I I totally feel like we covered this in a lot of depth. Like we obviously couldn't cover everything, but there's no point that I was really happy to be able to do the show and, and actually cover everything I wanted to about this, which definitely, you know, thank you listeners for, for sticking with us for, for four hours total of talk about this, <laughs> this game, because it, 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 you know, it's, it's, you know, we've been talking for a long time, you know, there it's, it's hard to edit these long episodes, but it's, it's worth it because you know, I just, I feel like this, this kind of work demands it. Um, the the game you know what's interesting about the the the, the faults of the game you know because I've, I spent a lot of time talking about the uh, positives the faults of the game like didn't bother me the first time I played it or the second time 
you know, I just, I didn't know. And I just, I was so entranced. Like this was the first game like this that I, that I played that could be this way. You know, I, I, I you know, I, I played it after Fallout, and Fallout has a lot of the same kind of moral choice thing, but it doesn't have the theme is not as strong. And uh, you know, I just I I was so ensconced with it. I always keep saying ensconced when I mean to say entranced lately. It's a it's a, t- a dumb tick I have right now, but I was so entranced with it, and it's still that carries through. Like even though I played it so many times, that like it's just it, I just I don't feel like a game does that better. Like, I, I still don't. Like, you reference, you know, around, like, one hour and, and ten minutes in of the last episode where I'm just, like, you know, frothing at the mouth about Chris Avalone and how, how he handles, uh, you know, choice and makes me feel like I matter in a game. And just, I can't think of a game that does that better. Like, there are a lot of, you know, there are a lot of flaws. Um, there are a lot of, uh, uh, you know, issues with it. But there's just, like, that just feels so, so, so fucking right to me in this game. And I can't get over it. Like, I can't shake it, you know. I can't quit you, Torment. It just doesn't, you know, it just it, it just doesn't, it always, it always works on me. Like, it's always going to work on me. And there's just been so few games I felt where I've had that same level of feeling in that direction. Like, there are games I like as much, but they're, you know, I appreciate them in different ways. It doesn't speak to, to uh, you know, my specific feeling of how I want a game to be interactive. You know, and, and when, when people talk about this should be, it should have been a novel or it should have been, you know, a choose your own adventure novel. It's like there's game to all of it. Like there's game to the dialogue. There's game to how you're choosing to go through it. Like maybe it is a little closer to a, to a visual novel than anything, but it's not a novel. Like it's still your choices are very important in, in this game. And uh, and it just I don't know. There's I, I feel like I've, I've definitely kind of spilled enough verbal ink about <laughs> about how I feel about it. You know, just this listen to what you've already listened to and you, and you know how I feel about it. Um, like I, I love this game. That's obvious. And the things that I was, you know, what I was saying last week, uh, your last, last episode rather about, you know, just kind of like, it's hard for me to match that enthusiasm because I don't know the whole of it because I don't, you know, because I haven't seen it. I haven't played it. I I, I don't know. I, I can't help but see that as a flaw of the game almost, which is it's, it's this, it's this mystery. It's this whole huge thing. The payoff, the, the, the payoff is at the end. And yeah. I think that I'm kind of the opposite of a lot of people where I feel like the game got a lot, lot stronger once I got to Carceri and like once you get into the resolution, um, because a lot of the, again, groping, my favorite verb, mm-hmm. uh, a, lot of the, a, lot, a lot of the groping and the stuff that is like tertiary to it, it, it lacks this sense of purpose. And so for and so for me, I didn't really start feeling what you felt about it and how you felt about it until I felt the, until I, until I got to like the, the ultimate theme until why it was there. Now that could just be because I was playing it on a deadline. That could just be because I was like, yes, yes, yes. Show me, show me, show me. Um, and it could just be because I'm an impatient person and you know, I'm playing this game well after its era has passed, but that isn't that, you know, that, 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 that is, you know, I can't really ignore that. As as, right. as, a, as a part of my experience and coming to it. That said, once I once once I got to the whole, once I saw everything for what it was and saw the themes and saw how all of that kind of cascades out and how everything kind of has relevance to this one central theme, like you said, of regret of of these things that you have done and that you are constantly atoning for and that everybody around you is kind of trying to help you atone for. That's when I started to just kind of like really love it as a piece of literature as a piece of as a piece mm. of fiction not so much as 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 a, as a game 
Um, but because, you know, but as, as like this, as this story, as this kind of, you know, separate life or lives that I kind of, uh, that I kind of lived. So, so I, I don't know what that says about like, you know, what I, what I have had the patience to play this through back in 1999 on my own. Yes, I probably would have because, you know, uh, it was 1999. Yeah. Y you know, yeah. um, would I have had the, you know, the patience to play it in, you know, 2010 when I first uh, downloaded it illegally and played it. Uh, no, I didn't have the patience no, to play it. Right. And when I downloaded it on GOG in, you know, 2011, um, legally, um, did I have the patience to play through it? No, no, I didn't. Did I have the patience to do it for the show? Yes, because I love the show. Right. But it gave... Yeah, I just kind of pushed you in <laughs> over that edge, you know, to, to do that. But I'm glad I did. And it's just kind of, you know, it's, 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 it's taking my medicine and I'm very, I'm very happy that I did. And I can, I can see all of the, you know, the, the, the beautiful, wonderful things about it. One of, one of the interesting things when you talk about the kind of uh, inconsequential stuff in, in the beginning, like I, I don't disagree with you, but a lot of the, the stuff. So when this game isn't like thematically really powerful, it's always neat. Like the, the kind of that inconsequential stuff, the, the way, you know, the, the just side questery, that goes on in the beginning is full of, of subversions and weird little ideas and stuff like that. And, and, uh, you know, set dressing uh, uh, for a very, very interesting setting that lets me gloss over a lot of that. And I wonder how much of that. So one, one thing with this game, and uh, I talked about it a little bit with our, with our buddy, Will, who wrote the, you know, the very excellent blog um, series on this game on backlog killer um, about um one, I want to know how much the developers were were aware of of that dichotomy, you know, whether like they were uh, they knew that they had this this heavy stuff to get to and the, the story they wanted to tell, and they needed to they wanted to express this theme and keep people interested on the way there, so they did all of these subversions, and really how much of like the combat and the shit parts of it were maybe bowing to a studio, you know, or bowing to an outside influence, and I I would I could really believe that like that's something you know. Hey, this is an Infinity Engine game. There needs to be a lot of dumb combat. You can't just tell your, you know, amazing interactive story about what it means to to feel regret and and about responsibility. You know, um, I just I would love to know about that. And I I'm not saying that I've searched the world over for it. Like that information very well may exist. Like I could probably find an interview based on it. And I I just I I haven't done that because I didn't really have cause to think about it in this kind of depth. Like the same way that doing it for the show gave you you know, reason to actually go through it. It gave me a reason to think about it in a new way. Yeah. And, and that, you know, I, you know, one of the reasons why I love doing this show is that it just challenged me to explain why I love something, yeah. which is, which is something everyone should do. Planescape is very obviously a compromised work and it would be interesting to know exactly where those compromises were made. Well, we know exactly where those compromises were made. Right. We would like to know why they didn't have the spine to fight it, but oh well. And the, and the market was different back then. You know, it's yeah, possible that, you know, now this this could be you know uh, done on like a, a a Kickstarter passion project kind of thing, and and you know maybe it could have happened. It didn't need to be big budget to to do the things that it did well as well. Maybe to have the size that it had. Yeah. But I would also agree, like you know, if we're we're talking about very minor flaws, like this is a long game. It doesn't need to be as long as it is. Um, there are things that could be cut, even if there are things I think are neat. It you know, is... they like they. they yeah, it is the Ross theorem of video game length. Your game will be better if it's twenty percent shorter than it is. Thank you. It's interesting. Good yeah, I mean, <laughs> like that's one hundred percent true. But it's also uh, uh, that's true not just games. Like that's a, you know a huge rule of writing. It's a rule. You know, deleting things is holy. 
you know that's what that's what you do and and the uh uh this game suffers for it a lot though just because you know the parts that do become tedious like something like uh fallout 2 uh, which is a very very long and huge game like i i love that about it like it's it's i wouldn't change it for the world you know whereas this one i feel like there probably could be about 20 percent of it i would take out or just ways to express the same ideas in a in a more efficient manner mm-hmm. maybe they're not themed right uh related directly anytime my progress through this game was not hindered by my slow reading speed i was infuriated yeah <laughs> i'm a dullard sir please indulge no, I mean, me you're, you're 100 not a dollard it's just the, uh, <laughs> the uh, uh you know it's it's, it's interesting because it's made you know you do have to take yourself out of out of appreciate this for the time it, it was in and in a different way than something like super mario brothers one you know yeah. like this is harder to appreciate within its time than super mario land 2 was which is also a very antiquated game right you know because because it's not challenging because it's a, a platformer it's something like the the mechanics and, and ideas and things that that are are able to come across in a platformer mm-hmm. you know more or less with some weird exceptions and things like braid but <laughs> that can come across in, in a platformer are are just elemental to us. Like getting what we can get from from Super Mario Land Two is like seeing a color on the wall and naming it. But, and this this is like reading a book or interpreting a piece of art. You know, not to oversell it too much. I'm not trying to be like this yeah. is one of the greatest pieces of, of fiction or anything like that. Which, you know, I think it is one of the greatest pieces of video game fiction. Mm-hmm. That important qualifier. But uh, you know, it's just it, the, the complexity is just not restricted by the 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 medium. Other than in its time, it's not constricted by the medium, but it's constricted by by 1999. <laughs> you know, the medium at 1999. Yeah, and it's funny because the biggest the biggest trick that this game has to do is make you care. Has to make right. you, has to make you care enough to invest in it. Not just the time, not just the you know, not just sitting there and committing to it, but just to to to, to look forward and to be curious and to actually explore these themes right. and to get to that point. Well, so. And when I, when I talked about that neatness, like I think it at the time it definitely did that. Like people liked this game a lot at the time. Like people, I would love it if everyone listening to this has played this game, and we we go back and listen to it. And I would recommend it to to just about anybody yeah. as something that you know maybe it will be initially hard to get into, but it will be very good for you. Oh yeah. At the time though, this was like people ate this shit up. <laughs> like when when this when this came out, I ate it up. Like I was you know I don't think I played it right when it came out, but sh- you know not too long after. And you know, the, like a, a, a computer role-playing game in this setting with this premise, like sign me up. Like that was enough of a hook, you know. So in retrospect, being the fact that we're very critical um, because of, of who we are in our game experience, and because we are playing it with the the having played everything that's come afterwards, mm-hmm. it's very easy for us to say like, oh, it, and it, you know, it begins kind of kind of weakly, and there are these problems in the beginning. But at the time, yeah, I don't think those are problems that are contextualized well in history. You know what? I think yep. I'm just spoiled. I think that this is the kind of game I wish I could play in bed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I agree. Like that would probably be pretty pretty amazing. Like they should do an iPad yeah. version of this, the same way they did one of Avadon. Like if you can do Avadon, you could do this in iPad. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like at any point, like after you talked about something for four hours, you pretty much said everything you can say about it. Um, so maybe maybe now would be a good time to to see what other people have to say about this. So we had uh, we had a lot of spoilerific responses um, from a lot of different venues um, from last week that we were not reading a for the listeners' sake uh, for people who are playing along and b for my sake because I am a philistine and I have not enjoyed this game before. <laughs> uh, 
So, so with that, with that in mind, this is kind of going to be an extra long um, reader uh, submission section, both from the Something Awful forums, the gaming podcast mega thread, and uh, I'm going to task Gary with loading up some comments from uh, the Facebook group as well. Um, and I think we had we had we had an email uh, from 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 somebody too. Yeah, kind of kind of interestingly, my uh, my friend Levi sent me an email, and uh, I actually, you know, I'm not always out of the closet with my my current tabletop gaming habits, but. Interestingly, like Levi is yeah, like an expert on the, the Planescape setting, like kind of collects it and is currently I'm currently running, you know, playing a game set in Planescape. Oh, nice. and he is the, the he is the DM of it. Ooh, so so that just, you know, hello, ladies. But the, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> um, so he, he has a very interesting perspective. I kind of gave him a prompt <laughs> for it. And maybe yeah. we'll, we'll start with that and then I'll pull up some Facebook comments. OK, um, just because I happen to have this up and that way I can. Up. So okay. what I what I asked Levi specifically was as somebody who has expertise in the the setting as a Dungeons and Dragons thing, I asked him how well the the game captures that. And uh, this is what he has to say. In keeping with the rule of threes, there are three main elements that capture the feeling of the Planescape setting. The first is the most novel aspect of Planescape: the power that belief holds over reality. Simply put, if a large number of beings or a few specifically willful entities truly believe something about reality, it is true. The fundamental conflict of the setting occurs when two beliefs are in direct opposition. Torment does a wonderful job capturing the power of belief on a subtle and a grand scale. Small details, like implanting the idea of a person named Adon into a few minds, or convincing others to will sigil trees uh, into life, undermine the point on a, a small scale. Belief comes into much more importance when the chaos and selfishness of the Gate Town Cursed uh, cause the whole place to relocate more to a more philosophically similar territory. Uh, theme number two is a sense of wonder. The Planescape setting uh, takes place where most mortals only dream of visiting. You can visit the realm of gods and drink with demons all in a normal day. This is a distinct change for a tabletop group, but or this is a distinct change for a tabletop group. But with video games where most experienced gamers have killed a god at least a few times. It is difficult to convey the same fantastic feeling. Torment deals with this problem by focusing on the bizarre rather than the grand. Instead of visiting the massive halls of dwarven gods, you parlay with sentient undead. Nothing you encounter matches the traditional fantasy version. The thugs bark like their dogs, the harlots satisfy the desires of the mind, and city blocks give birth. These experiences convey that the planes are something unique. The final quality of Planescape is insignificance. While in a normal fantasy setting, grateful, grateful villagers may lavishly praise you for killing the marauding beast of the, of the month, planners don't really care. On the plains, everyone is tough and cunning to some degree because survival depends on it. Everyone also knows that there is always something tougher out there. Even the lesser fiends have been around for centuries. How can a mortal measure up to that? It is possible to see the bodies of dead gods floating on the astral plane. Even divinity loses its spark to a planner. Torment does not quite measure up in this standard, mainly as a fault of the medium. Everyone has to care about the PC to some extent to provide you with things to do. The speech of NPCs is often irrelevant or irreverent, but you still get the special protagonist treatment. Again, this is an issue with the medium since it cannot accommodate independent action the same way a tabletop game can. Overall, Torment gives a fantastic picture of the Planescape setting while standing very well on its own with no foreknowledge of the environment. So yeah, thank you, uh, thank you, Levi. Becca knows how to write, wow. Yeah, he Levi's Levi's brilliant. He's like a really, really smart 
smart man. Yeah. Um, I love like the, the something we didn't catch on, and I really like that idea of a, the sense of wonder where, you, because it's a video game and you're dealing with gamers, you know, <laughs> killing a god or, or or doing something like that is not going to do it for you. So focusing on the strange as opposed to the big. Is something this game does really well, and I think he's really on to something. Like that is an intentional, intentional thing that you know I definitely noticed, but maybe didn't pick up on uh, in in those exact words. I like what he touched on with with insignificance because a lesser game, like a like a a game that wasn't as brave as this one is, would have been like your ultimate goal is to solve the blood war and to stop it and to bring peace to Asgard. Um, Right, and this game. You are for for as unique as you are, you know, with your with your with your condition. Your ultimate goal isn't to solve the blood war, which is the the, the perennial struggle of the Planescape, you know, you know, universe. Your ultimate goal is to participate in it and further it. You know, right. you're you're, right, you're, right. you're still a pawn, even if you cannot die. <laughs> right. You know. Right. And and you know, he's specifically talking about the insignificance. You know, as far as the uh, you know, the player insignificance that would come across in a tabletop game. It doesn't quite work, but there is a universal kind of uh, insignificance and you know a personalist to your quest, and insignificance in the fact that your quest is not solving the blood war, or you don't fight the lady of pain in the end, or you don't do anything that is it is you know save the world style you know Sephiroth fight. <laughs> you know the the game the game takes place in in Midgard, like it just you know it's all you know the Midgard of the mind. <laughs> it, it is all uh, it is all internal and and small scale in that regard. And personal, as opposed to being something that, you know, like a, a lesser game, and and thousands of JRPGs have done, right? You know, like uh, so. Yeah, that that is a, an excellent comment. Um, so thank you, Levi. It's brave to be small. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's it. You know, just to, just to throw a thing on the bingo bingo card there, insignificance. Uh, Lovecraft. Lovecraft. I was going to call you on it. I was going to if yeah, if, so, you did, if you didn't say <laughs> yeah. it, I was going to bring you into it. Yeah. I was going to force. <laughs> um, yeah, a big 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 uh, big theme in, in my uh one of my favorite authors as well yeah so uh we had some we had some uh participants on the something awful board but i picked one here that uh is from one of my favorite respondents uh gloom mouse who you will remember for having won the klonoa uh episode for saying he gnaws like a cat and his anime as hell uh gloom mouse gnaws like a cat is anime as hell exactly so just so if you so you know just so just so yeah. you know Oh, and Rars yeah. chimed in too. Um, yeah, he, he, he meows like a cat too. He's meowing like a cat just now. <laughs> He's anime as hell. Uh, no. <laughs> Here she says, I think it's safe to say that you're a psychopath IRL if you don't feel anything at the longing sensory stone. I will say that the conversation you have with Mort after the Pillar of Skulls is at least as moving, though. It had the same present interwoven with memories thing going on as well. There is at least some emotional distance between the player and Dianara while you just spent however many hours with more becoming friends, hitting on zombies, playing with Cube Hero, telling stories at the brothel. Okay, maybe he was hiding something about the don't trust the skull line, but how bad could it be? Maybe he's working for the big bad. No biggie. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. He was hiding the fact that he got me killed ages ago and that I'm a horrible monster who deserves to burn in hell? Christ. Honestly, I was downright horrified when I read what the practical incarnation did to Mort. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. We didn't we didn't actually talk about that, but when you when you meet Mort, you get to do or when you go to the Pillar of Skulls, you get to replay the original incident of you uh uh rescuing Mort from from the Pillar of Skulls. And it's terrible. Because what what happens is you 
you think that once you take him, he's going to have all the knowledge of the entire pillar. But once he leaves, uh, he forgets and you beat him. Like it, it is, it is, you know, you are, uh, oh, no. you would you know, nearly kill him, you know, from it. And it is a really chilling account um, that I, we just neglected to mention. So that is 100% true. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't get that. I like Mort. Yeah. Yeah. I love Mort. So we mostly uh, used our Facebook comments for the last episode because they were kind of spoiler low. But uh, one thing, just real quick, our uh, listener Adrian Kent has to say, uh, best moment in the game, pissing off Ignis that he so that he attacks you and you have to put him down. Um, referencing the thing that Cole had mentioned, that supplicant thing. And uh, if you you know are a moral person and hate Ignis and everything he stands for, I imagine that is very satisfying. I didn't know that he was going to do that. I thought that I thought that that was trying to like make him achieve some kind of catharsis. You know, take him, take him down a peg, right? Just kind of like supplicant. (laughs) But I didn't realize that, no, I was actually just reenacting the torture that I originally put him through that made him like he was and ultimately caused him to go, uh, you know, go crazy. And because I wanted him to teach me all those spells, I had to reload. So, yeah. Oh, well. (laughs) So our our final comment that we have, I'll let Cole read because I I read the last long one. Um, It is a long one, but it's okay because it's from our, our buddy, Will, who has has written more about this game, you know, than this. Like he has, uh, he had done that blog that again, we're going to plug uh, backlog killer. Yeah. Um, his first game he did was torment. He's going into uh, psychonauts now. And I, I promise you it'll be a good read. Yeah. So definitely go check that out. Yeah. It's real good. Go there. Uh, he, he, he definitely dives real deep, uh, deeper than he'll get in here, but uh, let's uh, clear our throat and go for it. Planescape torments seems to be having a severe identity crisis. Like the game design was stuffed into the wrong engine. The Infinity Engine was built for combat and strategy. Icewind Dale and Baldur's Gate are most famous for tight, well-constructed encounters that require critical thinking and knowledge of the fighting and spell systems. Even though the writing was strong in those titles, it was not the end of the design. Planescape is like a text-heavy graphic adventure or a piece of interactive fiction with heavy tabletop role-playing elements trapped in a traditional CRPG skin. The game has a lot of unnecessary combat, traveling and backtracking that ruins the flow of the story. It is obviously a lovingly constructed narrative that is supposed to move front to back steadily to ensure the player experiences and enjoys all of it. But it keeps being interrupted with frustrating combat that brings the story to a dead halt. This is a failure of design and a disadvantage of the engine itself. I'm not convinced that this was Chris Avalone's desire and may be a result of feature creep or the publisher requiring combat in an Infinity Game Engine. Infinity Engine Game, rather. It is also Bioware's proprietary engine and a necessary concession to use it, which I can understand as well. But what is most obvious is that gameplay becomes a hindrance to a narrative which opens a whole other can of worms of games of art that I won't even bother to begin to impact. He says in parentheses, I will leave that to you. We will not discuss that. (laughs) sorry will sorry (laughs) yeah i like that the role-playing elements are not represented by numbers but by character responses that determine your alignment you can lie to people for no reason other than to be an asshole make vows or just be indifferent unlike other titles where most players end up gaming the system these choices seem more like a character study and a time for self-reflection you determine the identity of this of this final incarnation of the Nameless One and decide if you can live with his decisions. I haven't played it, but from what I hear, Mass Effect does something similar and is a major reason that it is so loved by the people who play it. That is true, Will. Planescape is a unique time capsule and evidence that risk can be rewarded. 
but I don't think something like it will happen again unless it, it is in the unless it's in the indie space. The monetary risks are too high, and let's face it, people don't read too much and don't have the patience to parse so much text when quote playing a game. I'm glad you guys are getting more people to experience this and look at it critically because despite its flaws, I still love and consider it to, I still love it and consider it to be one of the best, most unique, and most enjoyable experiences I have ever played. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. thank you, Will. Uh, um, if you want to read more of that, go to go to backlogkiller.blogspot.com. Somebody needs to throw in and buy him an actual URL um, because he has yeah. a, a lot of good uh, a lot of good uh, responses there. Yeah, he he. It's great, and they, like a lot of good screenshots and video clips and everything like that. It's really well done. Um, something that he brings up that or that I thought of while reading that is he talks about um, one thing. He talks about Icewind Dale having good uh, good writing, which it, I do not think it does. <laughs> Like, I think that you take this game, so there's like a continuum, right? With Planescape all the way in the narrative section and Icewind Gale, Dale all the way in the combat section. And like, Baldur's Gate 2 is, is you know, it is not necessarily about combat and strategy. Like, I think Baldur's Gate 2 has a lot of this kind of uh, story-based, you know, dialogue-based stuff to it. It's probably the best balance of that. Well, okay, I'm, I'm going to take that back. I'm going to say Fallout and Fallout 2 are better. <laughs> but as far as D&D and Infinity Engine games, um, Baldur's Gate 2 is probably a little bit better as far as a balance. But the the narrative stuff is just that much more important to me. So that's why, you know, even though this is kind of on the other end of the bell curve from that, like I just I care more about that. So I like it more, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I love Baldur's Gate 2. Like, I love that game, but the, uh, the, the, this just like, it's, it's harder for a game to do this, you know, and, and out of all of the, the infinity engine games, other than Lionheart, like Icewind Dale is definitely my least favorite, right? you know, cause it's kind of fun. It's fun to kill stuff in it, but it's, it's not, uh, it's not great. So it's just something that made me, uh, made me think of. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I kind of am waiting for the HD remakes of all these games, honestly, because I've made honest efforts to play them, uh, much, much like mm-hmm. I have started, uh, Planescape many times. I've also started both the Baldur's Gates many times. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, I, I think I would be, uh, interested in, in, in seeing them through, um, it's it's something that he 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 doesn't mention here, but in the backlog killer, he gets really personal about it too. You know, just about mm-hmm. you know, about Planescape as kind of this uh, as this metaphor for depression and stuff like that. And as somebody who has dealt with that before, that definitely resonated with me as I was as I was uh, speed reading it uh, uh, before before I, <laughs> before I played this. Mm-hmm. I, I, I spent all the time you know plugging the blog, but it was like I only read the first couple. Only read the first couple of entries because I didn't want to be spoiled. But when I read all of it, it was like, oh, so many personal reflections. So yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely go and do that. And just kind of on a final note, um, we did get a uh, a quick uh, email about a uh, one of the things we uh, tossed offline in the first uh, first episode. <laughs> um, Cole said about wisdom being a dumb stat. Um, uh, an anonymous character says, as a frequent role player, I have to be that guy and poke a couple holes in your side comment about wisdom in Dungeons and Dragons being a dumb stat. Unless they've changed it uh, after second edition, and I've only played uh, 3.5 with a brief trial of fourth, wisdom doesn't just rule how much ability your character has in divine magics, i.e. clerics, rangers, and druids, but also how perceptive they are. Wisdom is the attribute that pairs with useful skills such as listen and spot or sense motive. Low wisdom typically indicates an oblivious character. Which is... I totally agree with you, and I'm so inside baseball enough to know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um but uh, in, in video games, not so much. Exactly. And that's what we were referring to. And that, that's yeah. kind of played out in this. Like, like Ignis's canonical wisdom score is three. Like, he is barely right. aware of his surroundings, except 
to know what is not on fire and what needs to be on fire. <laughs> Spoiler, <laughs> they're point, both yeah. the same things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, and the, the other the other big thing for wisdom and tabletop is is will saves cannot be underestimated. That's right. the only thing you can do against magic, uh, pretty much. So you you are right in uh, tabletop, um, but I stand by your comment as far as uh, in video game form. Right. Like who's going to consider a search score in a game? Right. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. And when, and when you, when you're playing temp, uh, temple of elemental evil and you do, it's a fucking mistake. So, so just, you know, what is using it, a search or playing temple of elemental evil? They're, they're both pretty much a mistake. Okay, cool. like, that game gets a, has a lot of positive uh, reactions. That I don't fucking understand. Um, so, so since I'm so tired of uh, talking about torment, I'm really glad that I gave you guys the opportunity mm-hmm. to, and uh, I'm going to write one of your names on a strip of my flesh and walk through a door. And which name will it be? Let's convene. So we have entered. We have entered the fortress of rewards, and we are <laughs> going to give this one um, to Will. Um, now, Will has won recently in the past, and he turned down a prize. Um, but we're going to insist. This time that because he not only wrote a very thoughtful like essay in for us, uh, but he also like started a blog and gave us a lot of hype too. Um, you know, playing this game along with us, backlogkiller.blogspot.com. Um, we're not giving you an option, Will. We're going to buy you backlogkiller.com. So yeah. everybody who's listening to this in the future, just go to backlogkiller.com and uh, you'll yeah. find it there. So you know, and and Cole can probably help you with how to point that towards your your content you already have and all that stuff because we'll, I do not know we'll, how to do it. We'll get it worked but, out. It's fine. <laughs> but um, and all of these comments were excellent. Um, I just I really like that Will just you know not only has he been really smart and a huge supporter of the show, but he's also uh, I really like that blog as a companion piece to these two episodes. Yeah. Um, that's just you know it, it works really well. So he, he, um, he thank takes... you very much, Will. He takes the time to write out the things that we just spit out extemporaneously without a care. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so thank you, Will. And and in the future, you know, maybe a week from when you hear this, please go to backlogkiller.com because I know I will. So yeah, so this is this completes our. Uh, I think we've done a game based on every tabletop role playing, you know, game which has a game of it. And I dare you to, to diagram that sentence. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, there's there's probably some fucking GURPS game out there. And we haven't done I Fallout, know. so we don't have special. Yeah, that, well, we, we will do Fallout. Like, whenever <laughs> we can, like, I'm I'm making that a, 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 a price for entry here. So, yeah. yeah, at some point, whenever we're not RPG'd out, like, maybe, like, in December or something like that, like, we will do Fallout or Fallout 2, because I, I need to talk about that game as well. <laughs> Um, and you, you have to play it. Yeah, yeah. Like you have to play it, Cole. Like I understand, like the the, the what's holding you back, but like God, all out. I, I own both of them, so I can start them at any time. I just I don't do it to torment to torment you. So no, they're so good. Um, it's okay. I've never I haven't played Mass Effect. Um, <laughs> so the uh, uh, th- that's what that's what. We'll, well, I guess like Mass Effect isn't retro though. I was gonna say we could do a trade. Yeah, but, uh, ten, 10 years, ten years out. Yeah, ten years. Yeah, but I'm not waiting ten years to do Fallout. Okay. Yep. So, what? Um, let's uh, talk a little bit about what we're do. What we're gonna do in the coming uh, months. In the coming months. Well, next uh, episode we are going to be playing EVO: The Search for Eden, which is in- a uh, video game for the Super Nintendo. You're gonna have to find it on Google. Um, you can mm-hmm. Google it. You know what is awesome about EVO, Cole? What is awesome? 
it's short. Ooh, you like know it, what? It, <laughs> it's pretty short. Like I looked up on how long to play. It's eleven hours. It's eleven hours. Ah, you know that seems strange to me. Like that might be the case, mm-hmm. but eleven hours is still a far cry from this. Yeah, so. that's true. But EVO, it is short. It is about dinosaurs and shit. Yeah, it's it's about evolution. It's awesome. You save states. That's probably why it's so long is because you end up having to redo so much stuff because it's no, hard. So you save states and make that easier. And then uh, after that, we are doing um, another uh, short series of games, uh, what we're calling the Mac Adventure Collection. It is the uh, Deja Vu 1, Deja Vu 2, Uninvited, and Shadowgate. Um, I have recently discovered that the PC versions of these games are considered abandonware. So if you are uh, unable to get the NAS version like like uh, we are going to play through, um, feel you know you can go and uh, gray market download the ports for uh, for PC. Um, you know, as as I was given to quip, uh, any port in a storm. And I so the, just chastised me for my pottery. Yes, <laughs> the. Uh, um, but you love it the same way. Everyone secretly loves puns. Oh yeah, yeah, like that's it. A, exactly. The only the only reason anybody complains about a pun is because they wish they thought of it first. So. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. Like, um, so so those are little short adventure games. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. After that is a game I'm tremendously excited about. Oh, so excited! That's going to be Psyops, which is available on uh, PlayStation Two and Xbox. Uh, you can find it for cheap at any of your local video game retailers. It didn't sell very well, but uh, it is plentiful. It's easy to get a hold yeah. of. I got mine for five bucks at Stop Games. So, yep, I'm looking forward to playing that again. I played that, uh, you know, at some point like six years ago, and really, really enjoyed it. So, looking forward to playing that again. And I don't think we've discussed our next one. Oh yeah, we have. So after Psyops, which we're both super excited for, uh, in uh, late to mid June, we're going to be doing Bionic Commando for the NES. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's going to be a swing and yeah. good time. Yeah, we. <laughs> <laughs> I say, I wish I thought of that. The um. Yeah, we're 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 definitely kind of taking a mental dump with like this, like uh, uh, doing some action stuff. Yeah. After all this like cerebral adventure game high concept things, so but don't worry, we will get back into pretension mode after that with something that we have not figured out. I just need to kill just shit, that. Gary. I need to kill shit in an engine that's fun to kill shit in. So. Yeah, well, EVO, you're gonna kill all kinds of shit. Okay. There's so many like just peaceful dolphins and shit that you can kill for no reason. I love peaceful dolphins. Um, yeah. So yeah, so that's everything we've got so far. Um, as always, if you have a suggestion for us, we'd love to hear it. It doesn't necessarily mean that we will be able to do it right away, um, but uh, we, we still want to hear about it. And we want to hear about uh, other, you know, other things that are on your mind, um, yeah. you know, what you ate for lunch, what uh, other games you like, um, things like that. The, uh, a really great place for that is the Facebook page. Um, a lot of fun kind of discussion there about just video games in general. Um, anytime I come up with a piece of you know, we're not a news organization by any means or a news podcast, but any kind of retro thing that's interesting to me, I try to put it up there. Yeah. Um, recently, this uh, spate of awesome CRPG Kickstarters um, that is going on. But um, that is a really great way to get in touch with us and to hang out. Yeah, good stuff coming down the pike there. Um, if you want to give us any kind of comments about uh, the games that we're playing, um, you want to be read on the air for a chance to win fabulous prizes like your own URL, uh, you can uh, write us at watchoutforfireballs at duckfeed.tv or go to duckfeed.tv slash contact. And from there, you can uh, drop us a line and we will uh, you know, do what we can with it, all of that good stuff. You can also call our voicemail. That's 419-834-WOFF. It's not toll-free, but mm-hmm. the podcast is. Haven't got that uh, blown up in a while, so blow up our voicemail and we'll play you. 
Don't worry. It'd be awesome. I would love it if somebody from like the Westboro Baptist Church called us about EVO. Oh yeah. Like because we're we're just you know expounding the virtues of evolution. EVO or like EVIL. Yeah, exactly. And and just uh you know just totally takes us to task missing the point um, on on a, on a, a religious basis. Love that game. <laughs> So if you're from the Westboro Baptist Church, A, go to hell, and B. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah all, all, of our, all of our terrible bigot listeners, if you could please send us a voicemail about how stupid we are for glorifying evolution. Um, but seriously, send us a voicemail about that. Yeah. Um, and in, in addition, so um, you know, do those things to get in touch with us. If you want to help out with the show, um, please tell your friends. Um, please tell people on Facebook or on MySpace or on Tribe or Friendster. And uh, the... Um, the biggest thing you can do is rate and review us on iTunes. Um, one of our uh, Facebook buddies, um, a man by the name of James uh, Sewell um, on Facebook, says that he has just given us our first review in the Australian iTunes store, which is super, super exciting. Um, I once had Vegemite from a substitute teacher when I was in grade school, and I thought it was really gross, but I still really like Australia. <laughs> and and um, that's really exciting. You can be like James um, and uh, please review us and rate us on iTunes. It is a huge help. But there's one thing that I believe is most important for you to do. And the one thing that you will definitely regret <laughs> if you don't do, and that is to uh, watch out for fireballs. Had tatties that would make the lady of pain turn dark. I mean, they were, they were, I don't want to say that. Jesus Christ, no. <laughs> Sorry. I've been hanging out with one of my really old friends and we immediately get fucking like terrible, like when we're together. So that's fine. That's fine. Um,